Here we go. Take two. Three, two, one. You are now listening to Double Jump Radio. G'day everyone and welcome to episode 52 of Double Jump Radio, the official podcast of doublejump.co. I'm your host, Abia, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, John. John, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing pretty well. Um, got, uh, oh no, uneventful week, I guess. Not much, too much to talk about. Oh, I, I did play Final Fantasy VII, which I'll talk about towards the end, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, kind of chill week, I guess. How about you? Yeah, yeah, I've been, um, yeah, it's been, it's been kind of chill, uh, just, you know, trying to catch up on work and wedding planning and everything. I uh, managed to play a little bit more of Destiny 2, doing the, uh, the ever, ever difficult legendary campaign, and I'm getting my ass kicked on this one level of, like, <laughs> I, I swear I've tried it, like, 20 times at least, so, uh, I'm, I know I'm gonna beat it. I get, I got, like, th- <coughs> literally, I was a one hit off killing the boss, and then I just died. And I'm like, oh. and I was just like, oh, this must be what Souls people feel like, but their games actually must should be very hard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, but it's like yeah. meant to be kind of like. I, I guess I it know, is. How hard is it meant to be? I, I think it is meant to be like super challenging. So I guess it's it's like you know adver- you know truth and advertising. I guess because the the Halo legendary campaigns have traditionally been really really hard, especially uh, Halo 2's campaign. So you know maybe. Right. It, it makes sense that this would be very difficult as well, but kudos to Bungie because it, it's really made me think about my loadouts and, and things that I don't really think about unless I'm, say, in a raid or like a really high-level activity like that. So this is this is a good change. Good change. But, uh, John, I understand that your your two cats have, uh, have uh, been donned some cones to protect them. <laughs> yeah, they're, um, they, got, they both got spayed. Yep. Um, good on you on responsible on ownership yeah but um but one's a female one's a male mm. so ash has been fine <laughs> like he's basically been completely like he's a very calm cat regardless but yeah. he's like um just completely unaffected aside from the fact that he has to wear a cone for a couple of weeks and then ash oh, like zoe yeah she's the female so she had like a more um like invasive procedure like surgery mm. yeah get it it's done. more involved so it's, for um, females yeah so she's scarier <laughs> in terms of like just kind of making sure her yeah. um, tummy is healing and stuff like that and that it, like the, you, you probably had the same thing where like i've got two like a brother and sister cat is that you've got to make sure that the boy cat doesn't like go to because they kind of like lick each other and and, and like kind of help each other so you gotta that's why yeah. they both got the cones and I wonder what will happen like in the future. I hope I hope none of your cats have to do this. But like when we had, when either of my cats have had to have the cone by themselves because they've hurt themselves or had to have a tooth removed or something, like the other cat is like, Ugh, get away from me, you freak. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I hope you don't have to do that. But I wonder if like your your cats will be the same. Uh, hopefully it doesn't come up because they're like very much inside cats. So hopefully yep. that. Because, like, um, our last cat, Leo, got hurt a lot. But he was, like, by himself for most of his yeah. life. So it's, And was um, he outside a lot? Yeah. Yeah. And he got hurt a lot. <laughs> he, <laughs> he wasn't a very um, cunning cat or, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Ash is very similar, which makes me Worried. thankful that he's yeah, staying inside. He's staying inside, yep. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Well, let's uh, let's move on to the first part of the show where we talk about the articles that went up on Double Jump last week. 
uh, and I guess uh, this week, <laughs> in, in, in this case, John, um, you you delivered us a another installment in our, I guess, popular Rewind series where we take a look back at games from yesteryear. This time you had a look at Kingsway, which uh, was released in 2017, but then got a surprise free update called Ascended <laughs> in last year. Uh, tell us a little bit about what, what this game is about. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm not sure. I guess it counts as a rewind now because it's a few months old, like yeah. the update itself. <laughs> but, um, but it's yeah. So Kingsway is a. I guess it's. I'd qualify it more as a roguelike, even though I don't think it's technically one. Um, but it's like <laughs> yeah, it's like the whole gimmick is that you're playing like a very stereotypical generic fantasy RPG, except everything is Windows ninety five, with the blocky windows. And all the discomfort that everything comes with you could using think of. an old version of Windows. Um, it's it was much simpler. Like I think I love the gimmick a lot, but I wasn't. I kind of run through it. Like I, it ends up being more. I'm more about trying to explain what the game is more than try to offer an opinion on it, particularly. Yeah. Especially, I mean, but um, it's I don't know it's it's fascinating that someone made it. <laughs> like I love that it exists. Yeah. Um, I. I and also, I'm pretty sure I cheesed a lot of it like, during my runs through it because you, you die right. very easily. Yeah. But then there was this um, one attribute or like perk or skill or something. I don't remember what they're called now. <laughs> um, where your attacks get because your attacks like are like a loading bar in the game. So mm. you attack and then you load, and then the attack happens when that load is finished. And then there's a perk that means that attacks become faster every time you hit. So eventually, like, especially like further into the game, once you get that perk, you're just like melting fools like all the time. Like it's um Squid's a power fantasy. A little bit. I don't know. It's mostly like it feels almost like a survival game. Because mm. it's like it's all about collecting resources, making sure you're strong, making the right decisions to ensure you're kind of going the correct direction in how you like build your character. Mm. Like it's not really like yeah, like I mentioned it as well. It's like almost no like actual role playing in the game, even though it's technically I think build as a role playing game. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah, so it ends up feeling mostly like a kind of a roguelike built on the bones of like a Fallout style computer RPG where it's like, you know, it's very menu heavy, lots of numbers crunching and, mm. and lots I, of moving between points on a map. I guess for I've I've got the um I've got screenshots up from your article on on, on screen, but for folks who are listening on audio, picture like what you think about Windows ninety five, and basically you got the Windows ninety five desktop, and you got the grey bars, the grey windows, and everything, and it's the game's UI is basically split up into different apps that pop up, and you have to kind of manage all of the all of that screen real estate, and. I guess the enemy, the battles themselves are like internet pop-ups that can interrupt you. They're like kind of the random encounters, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like they're all, they're just, yeah, they're like annoying internet pop-ups, which is actually the part I really wasn't all that jazzed about yeah. when I played it. I like, I was actually expecting to be like fully turn-based, all about just dealing with menus in a very like... Which is enough to handle on its own. Way. Well, it's, it's kind of like... It, it's a, as a game, it's actually not that complex. Like there mm. isn't that much in it, which is appropriate because it's like fifteen dollars or something. Like it's really cheap. Mm. Um, so it's kind of you know it's priced appropriately. Yeah, if that's a concern for anyone um, wanting to play it. Um, but it's 
um what was i was saying <laughs> um it's yeah there isn't like too much in it like you end up experiencing a lot of what it has pretty quickly um yeah. at least as far as i could tell i'm pretty sure i played through like pretty much all the content mm. even though i did cheese it most of the time like, i don't <laughs> think i played it very fairly um but it's um yeah not sure there's uh what else was that a goal <laughs> well that's the thing like you found that it, it had a lot it seems like it had a lot going based on like kind of the op- like the 90s OS style gimmick um, but it seemed like the the things that were added to it like the pop-up battles and like kind of the uh, I don't know or like that it had it kind of leaned into it more that it had a bit more like I guess you, the way you put it charm to kind of make it I guess stand out it seems like if there was yeah. more of that it would have been a much better experience yeah, it feels like it's almost like a proof of concept yeah. of kind of the gimmick, you know? It's like Windows 95 plus classic or oh, computer RPG. Always, for some reason, I had a drill to my head that I meant classic RPG, like CRPG. I had to look it up <laughs> when I was writing. Um, I, guess in the, I guess in the modern context, it probably is a, a classic RPG. Like, I mean, if it's yeah, meant to look yeah. like... Because it, it does also have like a lot of text and things like that that those RPGs of that era had, you know? yeah. I think I was like, I was very much hoping, especially considering it's like published by Adult Swim Games, which I don't make like, they don't publish comedic games, but I tend to, it feels, I was, I think I was expecting it to have more of a kind of of humorous angle. Off kilter games, but are generally well received. Yeah. Yeah. Because I only, I actually don't keep track of them as a publisher much. The only other game I'm aware of that they published was Rain World, which is Mm. very much not funny. (laughs) So... I don't know, but it's um yeah. I think I, I was expecting it to be more of a like having a joke gimmick that it like unexpectedly like um, executes well. You know, mm-hmm. I think I was I don't know. I was expecting a little more charm from it, and it's yeah. like it's really not. That's not what the goal of the game is as like a yeah. product. Like they they weren't striving. The developer, I think Andrew Morish. I, I don't know Morish. his name. Mor- Morish, yes. Um. His, yeah, he wasn't like striving to make a game that was like really funny or really commenting on like the you know 90s perceptions of computers and the internet. Like it's kind of it does that a little kind of quietly, but not really. That's not really the goal of it. I can, kind of I, yeah. I'd I'd love to see like a second version of this, and they you yeah. should like have um like you know it should literally be like you know windows 98 had windows 98 second edition they should, it oh, should yeah. that, that should be the name for the sequel like but it's like based on windows 98 or windows 2000 instead i think that would be really funny how it like changes the aesthetics or even like windows yeah. xp just like it moves forward a bit but it actually fleshes out a lot more of the game that I would think actually XP be, cool. would be a good one cuz yeah. like that one's like i think just like pretty like similarly iconic i think yes about the 95 you know it's like like yeah. if you use xp you know exactly what it looks like in your mind yeah and i think it <laughs> I think kind of hits cool. the right like nostalgia like time because like windows xp what 2001 i think it came out so it's like the right level of nostalgia yeah yeah <laughs> that'd be awesome like yeah. i actually it, it feels very i think i've used the term before but it feels like a um first draft of a game yeah like it feels like they set out to do what they did but their original goal was very modest exactly very like kind of you know 
low stakes so like i like to see it expanded into something more yeah you know, comprehensive and memorable yeah i mean reading your article it, it seems like there was a solid idea at heart it's just that the execution i guess it, it the, the, i think it definitely does come across as that proof of concept and the kingsway to or you know kingsway whatever tooth millennium edition or whatever it's called oh that's actually... great <laughs> i love that one <laughs> <laughs> whatever it is like that, that would actually be really cool i'd, I'd um I'd love to see that. That'd be or Kingsway two thousand. Like that would be a perfect. Like just yeah. just do that. Um, but yeah, no, thanks, John. That was a uh, that was a lot of fun to read and edit. And uh, uh, folks at home, head over to the the homepage doublejump.co, um, and you'll see it right there as you are listening to this. If you're listening to it, <laughs> you know, on the week <laughs> that it comes out. But let's. Uh, that's enough about what was on the site over the past week. Let's take it to the news. John, we kick things off with, uh, mm, I guess, what is becoming a, a staple part of, I guess, all gaming podcasts now and and the gaming news cycle, which is some more allegations of a toxic world cu- work culture or a very negative work environment, but this time coming out of a otherwise like kind of well-received indie studio. Tell us about yeah. Moon Studio. Yeah, we're um, opening up with the sadness section of the podcast. Yep. Um, it's, yeah, this one's like, yeah, anyway, we'll get into it. I'll just go over as much of the news as I can because there's a lot of it. Yeah. Um, it. All this comes from a report from GamesBeats, Dean Takahashi. Um, it's an expose of the studio Moon Studios. They're the ones who developed both Ori games in the Microsoft 12 series, Ori in the Blind Forest, and Ori in Will of the Wasps, Wisps. Um, which released quite... Wisps. Yes. <laughs> Wasps. Um, yeah. So the expose just kind of, it's very comprehensive. It's very long. There's a lot of quotes. Very long. Clearly had a lot of sources willing to say a lot. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I don't think, I think Takashi wanted to include a lot of those, what they said as well. So, uh, but a lot of it kind of hits upon very, you know, familiar themes to like other exposes. And, but a lot of it is just kind of so starkly in opposition to how they present or you know how people perceive them as a studio just because of the games they release which yes. it reminded me a lot of um well I'll, I'll try not to talk too much but it reminded me a lot of when we mentioned um uh oh was it traveler's tales games like the lego game yes. studio yes. Now, I, I personally found that quite heartbreaking that they go into like such intense crunch and it's just like this is so much worse than seemingly where like maybe we'll hear something about them well that's the but, thing um, like with traveler's tales like or TT Games, I think, as as it was known towards the end. Um, like, we kind of never questioned how the LEGO games were coming out so quickly and on so many different yeah. properties and franchises. And I guess the answer was human suffering. That's, yes. unfortunately, that was the reason why. And I guess here, like, it, there was no short... Descri- there's no shortage of descriptions of, you know, really shitty, like, kind of behavior on the part of the two founders. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, as part of, the, so from this expose with everyone that was spoken to, um, Moon Studios is claimed to be quote an oppressive place to work. Like that's kind of the word that's focused mm. on a lot. Um, and this is solely focusing on the founders, um, Thomas Marler and Gennady Coral. Um, they're the yeah the two developers um, who's like founded and kind of continue to run the studio. Um, 
Mahler is from Blizzard and Coral has a, I think, like software technology background. Um, but otherwise, they've been involved with the game with the studio since the very beginning. Hmm. Um, and when it was set up, it was the original goal of it was kind of unique, like not as unique today for obvious reasons. Um, Moon Studios is set up with almost all employees being remote contractors rather than having an actual office to work in. Um, and both the founders kind of tout this kind of flat structure and quote, no bullshit attitude to how they run the studio. So the idea was to have, you know, more horizontal, like lateral approach to how they build the studio and run it. Um, that's according Always, to this XBA, yeah. that's yeah. Apparently according mm. to this, this was not, this has not been true ever. Um, every they've kind of exert control like over every aspect of production, which isn't you know micromanaging isn't new, new or you know, it's not too surprising from game studios generally, especially small ones. But and it's actually like probably the best thing. <laughs> like it's like the least problematic thing to come out of this expo. There, it's just that they're yeah. extremely controlling. The thing is, when it comes to flat and i'm doing air quotes flat hierarchies basically what that means is the people at the top don't want anyone to feel like they're management and so when what that flat hierarchy this is at every organ like okay this is at 99 percent of organizations because basically they say oh we want to make sure everyone's got to say blah 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 and it's like no there's always still a there's always still someone you have to answer to and if it's if it's not if it's not um structured out based on name badges or whatever then it's basically everyone answers to you the founders or the 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 you know the ceo whoever it is and that you don't have formal titles for people below you but that kind of like those hierarchies eventually develop you always look to people like who are more senior to you or who have more experience and it sounds like here even the people who had more experience were not treated especially kindly <laughs> by yeah. the two founders yeah, like a lot of it, we'll go into a lot of these quotes because a lot of them, but um, a lot of it just comes down to um, the founders basically wanted to say and act in a game studio exactly how they wanted, which is usually just saying a lot of racist, sexist jokes mm -hmm. all the time mm -hmm. that everyone has to hear. <laughs> and that's like, that seems to, like reading through the article, because it, again, it takes a while to get through. It's like, that's kind of the main point is that they just wanted to act how they wanted to, like twelve-year-olds mainly, just saying whatever, and yep. kind of have everyone else deal with it, yeah. and maybe find people who are also like that. Which it didn't sound like there were many, <laughs> just because there's no. such huge turnover. Yeah. So, yeah, and also to start with, kind of like an especially succinct quote in the article, just like summing it up very quickly. So, quote, like from one developer, I mean, um, who worked there was quote extremely toxic. Turnover is extremely high. Remote work enabled people to be more toxic, end quote. That kind of summarizes a lot of it, but we'll get into it. Mm. Um, so first, offensive, racist, and sexist jokes were kind of the norm during meetings. Um, there were extended streaming matches between Marler and Coral, and they, these apparently actually lasted hours. So they were just, you know, everyone had to, the entire studio had to be witness to them screaming profanity and in, in like you know schoolyard insults at each other for hours um and yeah this is kind of normal um 
employees recall people being slammed as quote fucking idiots or quote failed abortions during meetings what the fuck um, <laughs> like come on <laughs> work would, yeah work would be dismissed dismissed as shit um a lot of the a lot of it comes down to criticism being leveled in public so like uh, someone i think one of the former employees mentions you know the classic normal management tactic is to kind of criticize in private and praise in public like that's how you normally do it and they didn't do that ever like they no. just kind of criticized in public and then praised almost never um which is again sounds kind of minor but it led to a lot of ptsd syndromes or like uh symptoms among the workforce at moon um they also describe crunch as the worst in their careers leading to seven day work weeks that could stretch on for months that's yeah like come on like as as a lead as a leadership team you have a responsibility like we talk about like we talk about this whenever it comes up with other companies but it's like either you knew and you let it happen in in which case you know you shit people or you didn't know and it was happening but you had no idea in which case you're incompetent like in like in either case you don't come across as being a good leader or anything like that like i i just yeah anyway you it, it comes a it becomes very clear of in the in the article yeah. yeah um there was one mention of during development of their current game this is the one that is being developed by private division and not microsoft which we'll yeah. get into in a bit mm. um there were, he had the founder thomas Mahler. he had one um, run in with the team members where he was wanting the main character of the story to suffer from rape like to be raped or to have their loved one yeah um uh. and so there was a former developer saying quote if thomas said he wanted something it would take like half the team to band together and persuade him not to do it and what they didn't want him to do was a rape scene so it's um which yeah, is so fair. same developer it's 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 you don't need to go that far to tell a story to to create motivation for a character you know yeah but yeah. it's uh, the same um developer said there's no real incident that just jumps out as being truly terrible it's just like this kind of stuff happening on a daily basis i would say it's a death by a thousand cuts so yeah um yeah in, instead of getting uh, like what was it chopped by an axe yeah. <laughs> i think that was the end of that quote which yeah that's the seems like it was months and maybe years of just like being chipped away at like your soul being chipped away at and just being broken down yeah like i think like the idea that one of the founders offering and then like really stubbornly sticking by the idea of having rape featured in a video game in their video game and saying that's one of potentially thousands of things to deal with every other day is like that's a, mm. that's horrible yeah, sound. Like that sounds yeah. so like exhausting at minimum. Because I think um, like even um, Hotline Miami Two had a similar scene, and like you know there was a lot of backlash with that. And in the end, the like this is why I cancelled my like I had a had a pre order of it, and I think I also had I think there was like a special edition Hotline Miami statue of Jacket, the main character from the first game, and I just like. I'm like okay if you if you if you hundred percent get behind something and you really believe that it's needed, it's like I can understand that and sticking to your guns, but then 
basically they they made that scene optional because they're like oh you know you don't really need it it's like then why were you why was it even in the game and then that pissed me off. I was like, why Why were you fighting so hard to put something in the game that wasn't necessary? You just wanted the shock value of it or to potentially upset people or get the headlines. So I cancelled my pre-order and I was just like, I'm, I'm done. I don't want to deal with this shit. Yeah. Well, in that case, I kind of wonder if it was more for the sake of trigger warning or like not triggering people to have that. Anyway, Maybe. that's a different one. Anyway. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't, don't want to try and defend something because I just don't know the context around that. Though. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sorry. No, it's my fault. Um, the women developers at Moon mentioned that sexism was common in the studio, um, especially from Marlowe, apparently. Um, <sighs> they, quote, would have to endure a lot of sexist jokes, and it wasn't surprising to see the women leave after short stints in the company. Um, and in general, they were extremely unprofessional in almost any aspect of work. They were controlling and involved in the whole development, but at the same time, they were held they weren't held accountable for their actions. Um, yeah, so kind of a double as a whole, sword there. Yeah, yeah. It's like if it's like the founders wanted to make something place that's like kind of utopian, in as a development kind of you know outfit. You know, like they wanted to make games that were like where freedom and was encouraged, and everyone could speak their mind. Except it's only really they can speak their mind, and only they can really control anything. It's like we we want a place where you don't have to abide by the law, or by the way we're above. But there is still there are still laws there, but it only applies to you, not us. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, and what they're saying is horrible. It's not just the fact that they're trying to yeah. be controlling. It's just that they're trying to like, it's, you know, yeah. while the word is used is oppress. It's yeah, like, well, it's kind of you know, employees are being forced to be inundated with all this horrible stuff they're saying all the time mm. usually by text threads which yeah like um, mm, i don't know like when, when when someone says oh we're going to create an environment where you can say whatever you want none of this political correctness you can be who you are and no one can take offense blah 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 it's like that's just like an sometimes that's just an excuse to just be a, sh- a shitty person and say racist sexist offensive things and not feel like you have any consequences like it, it seems like the whole idea behind that Trump, was it that Trump like social media network that never took off or whatever? Yeah, yeah. It's been like three of those. The latest one is one by Trump, uh, and yeah. it just failed again. Exactly. John. Yeah, it's like it's like they all want their mm. echo chambers. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Never really right? Exactly. Wanting they want like exactly. running, turning out the way they want it to, and it's just. It's always the same story. We've we've got um we've got uh, uh scavenger in the chat. Hey scavenger, long time no see. Thank you for joining us, uh, and thank you for watching. Uh, he's uh, uh scavengers made a made an excellent point, saying it's such a disappointing story to hear. A studio that made such great games in the Ori games has this underlying issue of the studio execs being well, not nice people. And yeah, it's yeah, like it, we we talk about it all the time. Culture starts from the top. You know, like, it's crazy, like, hearing about, you know, the fact that the two founders, even to each other, were saying horrible, mean things, and just, like, sometimes their meetings would just be an hour of them yelling at each other, and everyone else is forced to watch and listen. It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, it's also mentioned that, it's like, yeah, it's a good point, and that's, like, something that stood out right away, is just, like, it's so opposite to the games they make. And it's just like mm-hmm. it kind of reminds you of like you know John Lasseter in Pixar, 
you know, his, yeah, like, a, you know, being a sex pest in the company. Oh, during really? Its, like, original. I think it was Lasseter. Oh, no. And it's just like, what are, what are with these places that make, like, childhood, <laughs> like, such, like, nostalgic, powerful, you know, products that, like, really, like, kind of, uh, you know, deeply touch so many people. And then it's just like, oh, okay, someone, or, like, it was somehow spurred on or, like, actually created by these, like, awful minds is disappointing <laughs> at the very least um oh wow you're right john lasseter had like sexual harassment claims against him and stuff alleged wow this is going back to like 2017 like some of these stories oh, yeah that's why he left whoa um, anyway sorry that's yeah I, I didn't know about this oh god i feel really embarrassed that's that's really <laughs> Yeah, that's bad. It was on my a while part. ago. I think I was only reminded of it recently. And I guess I, I guess um, I'd, I'd never heard about it. It wasn't spoken about widely. I guess in the gaming mm-hmm. circles that I'm, you know, I guess I'm in that bubble. I feel like it kind of happened around the same time as Weinstein and a couple others. So I think he, his gotcha. kind of stuff got buried a bit. Gotcha. Um, wow. Apparently, this culture was known by Microsoft as well. So that seems to have led to them severing their relationship with Moon Studios. Allegedly. Um, yeah, allegedly. <laughs> um, industry insider uh. Jeff Grubb said this on a recent podcast he was, um, he was guested on, where he said, Microsoft is well aware of what this company is like. I was told this explicitly this morning. This was a few days ago. Mm. Microsoft was aware and everyone understood that that's what this company is like. Um, and then this was corroborated by Windows Central's Jez Corden, who said, I was told Moon founders resorted to personal attacks slash bullying towards Xbox's teams and burned all bridges. So it's, um, yeah, so it definitely seems to extend outward into their like wider network of developers, not just inside. Mm. Um, so it's kind of hard to imagine this getting much better, honestly. Yeah. So oh, man, hopefully uh... there's some sort of, you know, positive resolution to it but it's yeah these kind of situations always touch you with you know man children running a full business and having complete ownership of it yeah it's especially because um like towards the end of the article dean takahashi the author talks about how um both the founders held like a voice meeting addressing the article and that it's going to come out and they're basically like getting ahead saying why would you betray us we're going to go through all this flack it's disappointing to see our name being dragged through the mud after this amazing studio this work you've created why would you sour that we've created this anonymous feedback system and stuff it's like oh come on that's the like you you know you're just being babies here like that's just so unprofessional yeah, it's at least say no comment. I'd appreciate that better. Yeah, they actually responded like both founders actually responded with a long kind of yeah. statement in response to this article, which I haven't got the whole thing up, but I kind of saved Can't one little up. bit, like yeah. one little gem that is kind of says a lot. It says, "Quote: Finally, we appreciate the irony that we, an Austrian and an and an Israeli Jew." started this multicultural enterprise. We view each other as brothers and like brothers, we sometimes argue and frequently tease each other. We've made jokes at our own expense about differences in our backgrounds. And there may have been times that our teasing of each other has come off as insensitive and may have made others feel uncomfortable. So this is like, the the article makes mention of a few like actual anti-Semitic jokes, like seemingly targeted at um, one who isn't, uh, Coral. But yeah, a lot of it's 
Mm. Yeah, the fact that that's part of the defense is kind of astounding because it doesn't help. It's not much of a defense. No. <laughs> yeah, like just because you feel comfortable, like it. You the that's the thing. Like working in a like now that I'm, I get, we've both worked in teams before, right? I mean, we work in a team right now at Double Jump. Like we all volunteers, we all talk to each other, and it's like you know. Just because, say, if you and I come from, you and I have some connection to Fiji, right? You know, but that doesn't mean everyone else does, or that other people who identify as Fijian or who come from Fiji and stuff would appreciate the jokes we make. Like, you have to kind of know your audience and like keep. There's some things you keep in private as like in jokes between yourselves because you're both Jewish. But like, you might have other Jewish friends who are like find it funny, but then everyone else just finds it really uncomfortable because they don't know the full context. They don't know if like. You know, it's just gonna make them feel uncomfortable, and and um, I wanted to add like a scavenger adds that I guess that explains the Ori story basically bookending at the end of Will of the Wisps. There was never going to be another game with this news, so I guess it was um. Oh, okay. I mean, I haven't played the games yet. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but yeah, maybe maybe knowing this relationship with Microsoft was coming to an end. And it sounds like the two founders weren't happy with Microsoft either. Um, maybe informed, yeah, like the direction for yeah, the I'm game. I'm kind of curious to see. I mean, I'm not. I don't really. I don't think I really care too much. It's just like a lot of this says enough about how they operate. But yeah. I'm curious why they would be upset with Xbox when they're the ones consistently allowing delays and stuff like that. I have a it's, question. No, what they were upset about. <laughs> yep. I have a question. So. After Microsoft's kind of like very soft response to the Activision Blizzard allegations, and especially after now that we know that Microsoft bloody bought the company, and now knowing that Microsoft's been aware of what's been happening at Moon Studios, as well as some of the other, you know, kind of history of Microsoft and like sexism and things like that, how, like, why is Microsoft getting away with so much now? Like, I, I honestly don't understand why. Well, in this case, like the article goes into it a bit where it mentions how Microsoft, I don't think it had like a full awareness. And because of the way that it was like Moon Studios is structured, where it's like almost purely remote based, mm. like there's no like central office to go visit. And because it's all remote, the founders, especially Marla from the sounds of it, or like very like kind of in front like standing in front of the entire team whenever there was any like discussion between microsoft and the studio itself yeah so i think that was like not to i don't know i'm not really sure exactly what microsoft can do when there are other than just eliminating their partnership because when they don't have um because i'm kind of curious what that would involve if they were like okay with exposing another company's kind of yeah. dirty laundry like I'm, i think that kind yeah. of and there's probably a lot going on there but um yeah i know I'm, I'm not really happy with it either way they seem to be getting yeah. they, they, you know same with sony kind of, yeah it reminds me of sony yeah. and quantic dream yeah it's like they i'm sure they were pretty aware of how they were running for a long time yeah and then they kind of just quietly and crunch it like naughty dog insomnia you know like we we heard those allegations as well and then last week we talked about I guess the eight women that came forward in the wake of the sexual allegation scandal at PlayStation and Sony Interactive mm. Entertainment. 
um, in that case, yeah. that kind of explains, you know, them being okay with Insomniac. Because Insomniac's had a couple, like, mm. a um, quickly forgotten allegation Scandals. of yeah. sexism at the, workplace, at the workplace. Yeah. In that kind of, in that case, it kind of makes sense. They wouldn't yeah. feel like having to do much. But I, I feel like they haven't Insomniac. copped nearly as much as, like, what Activision Blizzard and Ubisoft and Quantic Dream directly faced. Yeah. Which in, is crazy. Well, that's the thing. Um, Scavenger uh, says, you know, I guess like when I asked, you know, why is this, why are they not copying in as much? Why are they, why are we giving them a pass? And it seems like <coughs> Scavenger adds, you know, money talks. They all have enough money to sweep this stuff under the rug. Keep it as quiet as possible. Which, hmm. Yeah. Sad. It's, like, it's also <laughs> kind of the nature of the industry today is like, one, it's kind of expected. So it's kind of hard to make noise about it. And two, it, it seems to be happening so often that it's kind of, it's becoming easier and easier to just wait it out. Yeah. Like Activision was probably harder to wait out because they were actually like being actually sued over it. So it kind of, you know, it's kind of hard to just ignore it then. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just, yeah. And I guess Sony's got the money and the clout to kind of, I guess, stop like get people involved to stop things from ballooning out of control maybe maybe sony's a bit smarter but i guess we'll we'll talk about a little bit later about sony and its own like internal workings but yeah i guess to to close out the story is there what, what's the main takeaway <laughs> what 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 do you think developers can learn from this well i think i don't know i think it's just like not to be I think in this case, like some of the people interviewed mentioned how like they were speaking out because they wanted people to know what it was like working in studios. But also, mm. I guess developers will be, if if they become aware of this, it's like one, probably don't work in studios and two, <laughs> maybe don't work at studios that are completely remote. Yeah. Because they could like, no, I'm not sure if it's like, it's a trait of the studio that seems to almost encourage this sort of practice i know mm. encourage but you know it doesn't there's so it's even fewer barriers between yeah. like founders or just you know leaders in the company operating how they want and if there's the that much churn employees. and if there's that much of a turnover of staff like that probably says something like it's normal yeah. for developers to kind of scale down at the end of a project people leave go to another developer start a new project take a break things like that but when this many people like from the numbers it seems like whatever the credits are for a game, double it. That's how many people actually worked on the Ori games. Just at Moon Studios, not including the partners, Microsoft and things like that. So I guess that's an alarm bell for any prospective, I guess, developers who want one to apply. Uh, not just at Moon, but I guess in in general. Like keep keep an eye on keep an eye on that stuff. It's you could be entering a situation that could make you worse off, not just financially, but also mentally, you know, physically even, or emo like, you know, relationship-wise with your with your family and friends. Yeah, mm. like seven-day work weeks and for months on end. Like that's, I can't picture any relationship outside of work sustaining that. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's like they're almost saying the exact opposite of what actually happens <laughs> whenever mm. they're trying to get people on board. Yeah. Um, Coincidentally, uh -oh. there was also another video <laughs> continuing this sadness section. Please. Um, 
for more indie developers. Um, this comes from a video from People Make Games. They're kind of a Patreon-funded journalism outfit. Yeah. As I understand, I'm pretty sure that's what they are. Yeah. Um, it covers three studios, um, Mountains, Fulbright, and Funamena. Um, they're all publishing. They're all studios that are publishing or have published games with Annapurna Interactive, the kind of smaller independent publishing house. Like kind of like critically... Um, yeah, like critically... Yeah, they're almost like an art house publisher. Like they've published very <laughs> yeah. small games. Yes. Designed to get like critical acclaim, you know. Um, yeah, so in this case, it like mostly focuses on both the studio's failings, like the leaders within it, as well as Annapurna's failings as a publisher to kind of help any of it from like, or prevent any of it. So um, first is Mountains. They're an Australian studio. Um, I think, I'm not sure exactly where they're based. I think they're currently based in Adelaide. Um, mm. They released the game Florence several years ago. So one staff member at Mountains um, says they described the studio boss, Ken Wong, as, quote, a very cruel person in a position of power who liked to make people feel bad to make himself feel better. Mm. Um, Sounds yes, familiar. So, <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Um, this is all reported on. This is kind of all summarized by Eurogamer. It's kind of yeah. what I'm pulling these quotes from. Um, a number of resonations from a studio called the um, Annapurna's Eye is what's happening. All seven remaining. Um, and when this happened, all seven remaining members at uh, Mountains voted unanimously for Wong to step down from leadership. But Annapurna wasn't actually able to accomplish this. And they ended up kind of being responding very dismissively to Mountain staff like following this vote that they actually couldn't instigate. So mm -hmm. as far as I know, Wong is still there, even though the entire studio voted for him to leave. And then... Hmm. That's... Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, that's um not a good sign. Yeah, so a lot of that comes down to studios in a frustrating position and Annapurna did basically nothing to help. Um, yeah. That's kind of a theme throughout these like small stories. Um, second was Fulbright, the developer of Gone Home, Tacoma, and Open Roads, which I think is set to come out this year. Yeah. All things. Famously team. founded by Steve Gaynor, who last yep. year stepped down after allegations from him about him. Yeah, like specifically how he treated employees and specifically how specifically how he treated women. Mm. Um, so this kind of expands. This um, people make games kind of expanded on this by explaining that Annapurna was actually asked by employees to step into this kind of situation with Gaynor. But, quote, Annapurna's focus was on the state of the game more than the health of the studio. So, and when Gaynor actually did step down, like, immediately in response, because they were aware of the Polygon article because they were contacted. Mm. So when the Polygon article exposing all this went up, Gaynor pretty much immediately stepped down. Yep. Like, it was, you know, coordinated. Um so, and apparently Annapurna was, like, not part of this. Like, they had no support from Annapurna as part of this, like, event. Yeah, um, yeah and lastly is Funomena. Funomena. Is sure. it Phenomena? Um, is it meant to be, like, Phenomena? Uh, <laughs> Maybe that's what yeah, it that's is, right? right. So, yeah. I think phenomena, so. right? That makes I, more sense. Oh, uh, yeah. You yeah, never read it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I was overthinking it. I, I was trying yeah. to think of, like, was it, like... Yeah, anyway. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I now feel like less of an idiot, so it's good. <laughs> um, uh, Phenomena is run by Robin. Phenomena. Um, 
<laughs> they created Watson, which I think released a couple of years ago now. Yeah. And they've released people a couple liked of other it. games as well. Yeah. Yeah. I was excited to play it because I think it involves the um what's that studio called? The uh, creator of um Katamari. I think they're I think they're involved with that one. Or is that another game? Oh like the the and the the same people behind Nobi Nobi Boy. Yeah, yeah that... I think so. It yeah. doesn't matter. Um so apparently Hunic like the studio boss. Um, yeah, Kate, was... Keita Takahashi is the kind of okay. the famous creator of those um the the Katamari series. Yes. Yeah, Sorry. I think he was involved at the bottom. Yes. It, yes, it, he was. Yeah. It's irrelevant to the story though. I shouldn't have brought it up. Um Hunic was apparently emotionally abusive, he used sensitive personal information to humiliate and That's employees. Fucked up. <laughs> um yeah. Yeah. And um some of this private information was actually shared with people outside of Phenomena as well. So <laughs> Um, Annapurna was aware of these issues. Um, Annapurna didn't really respond mm. to studio, like the rest of the studio actually wanting some assistance with it, wanting like mediation is the term wanted, like the um, term used. Um, yeah, and People Make yeah. Games apparently contacted a group of current and former employees at Phenomena, and they said that Hunic um, is, quote, the instigator of a huge amount of toxicity at the studio. So... Put that yeah, on your so LinkedIn bio. Yeah, yeah, it's Jesus Christ. I just like this. This is like um. Remember we we talked about Team Seventeen a couple of weeks ago. How the like I guess like one of the long term staff there and the manager there like kind of, I guess like profiting off the studio and like paying people less and less, but still making a lot of money. And like yeah. it, it's it's like. You don't have to be a straight white male as kind of like the, you know, the 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 stereotype. Like you you can be from a different group, a, a minority, and still be an asshole and a, just a shitty person, yeah. allegedly. Yeah, it's, it's always disappointing because you know hearing about Fulbright and Gaynor, like I is that was already disappointing. Like it's really disappointing hearing it from independent gamers like uh, studios. Because you always associate it with corporate situations and settings mm. that kind of lead these sort of blind spots, or even like you know, outright encouraged kind of cultures. Yeah, and it like it makes perfect sense that like these kind of studios are also susceptible to it. But it's still like really painful to hear, especially in like we don't have too many studios in Australia yet. No, they're all small. They're all like you know small indie things, and it's just like it's like damn, like one of ours as well. It's I mean it, to be fair, it was one person seemingly but it's still yeah 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 mm. like just to kind of like repeat what i was saying about like you know the lego studio and yeah you know, no one's it's, like, it's just immune. kind of exactly where you don't want it <laughs> and expect it and it's just like heartbreaking it strikes and it's yeah yeah and um scavenger adds the high turnover of staff even affects somewhere like 343 industries where i think just this past week you know people notice a lot of high level departures from the the studio um and even like the 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 roadmap being delayed again or like not even getting updates and uh, xbox's uh matt booty came out and said you know like kind of came out defending what's been happening saying you know it's kind of expected uh, after like such a major project like halo infinite launches that people would leave and that he you know obviously you know confident in the team that's remaining there and, and the expertise and also, uh, I mean, tangentially related, talking about you know Microsoft Studios. I mean, the the initiative which is 
the the developer that was set up to take the lead on uh, the Perfect Dark remake that was teased last. Not E. It was E three, or whatever. It was the Summer Games Live. One of those things. <laughs> whatever E three was last year, and and how uh, I guess Crystal Dynamics, the developer of Tomb Raider, and uh, what was it? The the Avengers game from a couple of years ago uh, came on. Uh, like was kind of brought on as a co-developer and then there were a lot of departures from the initiative at that time seems like more than half of the the senior like designers uh, producers have left but again it's one of those things like oh you know we're confident that the people that are there are still committed to the vision that it's not going to affect the quality it's like i don't know man it's no one's immune yeah no one's immune like the initiative was a big one because I think um, Video Game Chronicles kind of had, you know, they organized a list of like everyone they were aware of had left within the last like year or two. Mm-hmm. as like a significant chunk of the studio. Like, I mean, as of, you know, people are aware of it. And like a lot of it comes down to seemingly trying to build a like very, um, very large studio from scratch yeah. with a lot of people who have very different visions for what that means and for what do they want from the game as well. Mm. but it's just like that one i i don't know it's hard to imagine like that seems like a lot of turnover like i don't want to put too much focus on it because i'm sure every game studio goes through a lot regardless of what they want except for like you know a handful that are really just very secure yeah um like you know when when they're operating at scale i think there's a lot of turnover but um Mm-mm. it's still that one's like that was surprising just how many people are leaving and oh, like in yes. high level positions as well which are like very hard to fill right now yeah, like um, I've I've got the list up now, and it's like you can see like more than half, like there's like less than fifty percent of the people who were there like even a year ago are gone. But I mean they've been replaced by people, especially coming from you know Crystal Dynamics, working on you know other Microsoft studios, you know the Forza Se- Forza Horizon series, the Coalition, which looks after Gears of War, um, other you know I guess shooter alumni from, uh, Infinity Ward. Uh, you know, Naughty Dog and things like that. So it's it's not to say that there aren't capable people on the team now. It's just, you know, it's worrying when you see such a high level of turnover and we've got a um, scavenger ads. Um, <clears throat> and it's difficult for anyone coming in to pick up someone else's vision and trying to make it work when it's so far down the pipeline while still having their own ideas to bring to the plate. Yeah, that's... I can, I can see that, yeah. like... Especially when you're coming in to a game that's already been there, like being developed for maybe a couple of years, you have no ownership over the vision. <laughs> the people who the vision belonged to have since left, and now you're you're expected to give it, you know, to start where they left off, hmm. and then yeah, yeah, work to all the same deadlines and everything. Yeah, it's hard to, I don't know, like without actually being a developer, it's kind of hard to gauge quite how difficult or anything but it's like yeah. it's, i mean it's easy to imagine just how tough that must be especially for like such a huge production where there's so many ongoing like moving parts all yeah. moving together it's just and then see that's yeah. scavenger added that's how we end up with cut content and half-baked games yeah i can definitely see that being a thing mm. especially with like like i mean battlefield 2042 like it seems like there were a lot of ideas from a lot of a lot of different places and maybe there was something similar here where you know the people who championed the ideas maybe left. People came in to kind of 
execute on those ideas and weren't able to do it in the time frame that they, you know, the the deadlines they had to meet. Who knows? Like, I'm sure there'll be like a Kotaku or something <laughs> breakdown, like a a Jason Schreier Bloomberg post about post mortem on Battlefield 2042, like there was with previous EA games. But let's um, yeah, maybe let's uh move on from some of the negative news uh and talk about something a bit more positive sort of <laughs> yeah i guess the uh the next next major story is uh the announce well, not the announcement but i guess the official gameplay reveal of Hogwarts Legacy which is a new action a third person action game from Avalanche the developers of the Mad Max game and Just Cause uh, also partnering with Port Key Games and Wizarding World which is the company that holds I guess the the official rights to Harry Potter like the franchise I think it's it's not being worked on by JK Rowling but JK Rowling is making money off this so take of that as you will we there is a lot of controversy around that and um we'll touch on that a little bit later but uh the <clears throat> the main thing of note is that it is it is set during the 1800s, so about 100 years before the Harry Potter books take place, and even before the um, the horrible Fantastic Beasts like sequel <laughs> takes place. I think that's like in the early 1900s, like the 1930s, like because it literally references the coming like of Hitler and World War Two. I don't know if you've seen Fantastic Beasts, the second movie. Um, yeah, the Crimes I, of Grindelwald. I don't remember it very well. <laughs> I haven't seen the second one, but yeah, yeah. So that that's basically the thing is like yeah, Johnny Depp's character is like, join me, we can prevent world war. That's like ooh, like anyway. So, <laughs> so this game takes place in the eighteen hundreds. You you play as a like a, a a fifth a a new student at Hogwarts coming into their fifth year. So it's like you're basically playing like a grade eleven or a year eleven student, <laughs> which is yeah. As anyone who's come into a school years after, you know, all your classmates have been together, like, it is a very, I guess I had to, it is a very awkward time to join anything, but I guess maybe it's like to explain why all these people don't know who you are and you're introducing yourself. Um, and like, they can say, oh, hello, person, you are from this background. <laughs> I, You must be new here. So it, it, it basically it's a third person action game similar to something like God of War. Um it, it it's got a it's got a like I actually like the look of it. It it, it reminds me of a lot of Elden Ring but like mixed out with Harry Potter in that it's got kind of like a flat like lighting profile and and some nice colors but it's not it's not trying to be like ultra realistic or ultra cartoony. It's got like it's very like it's got a very nice look and it 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 does have a lot of the Harry Potter charm that people will be familiar with from the books and the movies. The instead of like you know throwing the axe and or having chains on your arms, you've got your wand. You 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 cast spells. You duel. You fight monsters. Essentially, you know you can craft new potions that'll give you new abilities. Sort of like the potions in The Witcher. Like you know before you go into fights, you can give yourself different buffs and and like you know. I guess different advantages. Uh, you can also do activities like, you know, <laughs> I guess grow plants that can that you can summon and and use as a as um like 
like Final Fantasy style summons in, in battles. You can also do a lot of exploration around the the Hogwarts grounds, and you you actually learn how to fly on a broom, so you can actually travel around kind of the the pseudo open world. It's got it's cool because like there's a lot of like kind of secrets and exploring. A lot of what you'd expect from something that's set in Hogwarts with all the magical corridors, the uh, magical paintings, uh, the ghosts around everywhere, all the different characters. I mean, to a fault, because it also has kind of... The, the premise of the game is that there's some sort of rebellion by the orcs, or sorry, the, the goblins, who traditionally have been oppressed in this universe. <laughs> um, yeah. which, which, you know, this, this game... I'm not expecting this game to address or to provide any nuance to that. It just doesn't seem like that's the style of anything related to Harry Potter nowadays. And you also see, like, you know, house elves and, you know, the elves still being treated like absolute crap. Basically, if you're short and aren't, like, good-looking, you expect to be treated like shit and villainized. Like, that's what I'm learning from, like, (laughs) I guess now that I'm older looking at Harry Potter. Um like uh i don't know it's it looks cool there's a lot of exploration there's a lot of like cool things to figure out a lot of cool characters to work with but i i don't know it i'm worried that this is going to be more i don't want to say this i'm worried this is going to be more like an anthem than something really fully featured or like interesting like a god of war or or even like a horizon you know what do you think from what you've seen um I'll start off by saying I like Rowling's like even you know being adjacent to the game kind of turns me off it entirely. Mm. Like I'm just not okay with it really at all. <laughs> but I will say from watching the gameplay, it's um like I think the one thing like I actually liked how school centered it is. I wasn't really expecting that. Yeah, like it seems like a lot of the game it keeps talking about making up for lost time as a fifth year student. It's just like wow, this is a weird thing to care a about in a lot big of budget quests. release. <laughs> it's like it's caring about my studies um yeah. which i kind of i love the idea of it's a persona I, game i also say the, yeah I, <laughs> it's like persona except that you're actually doing school stuff and you're not making many friends mm, <laughs> but, mm. um i will say the combat feel looks like i mean i'll say there are combat like combat uh models or whatever you call them where they look kind of worse from afar than they do in your hands and vice versa yeah but from this it didn't look very fun to play to me at all like i felt it looked very like mashy and not particularly like engaging to me mm, like mm. personally i, I like the wand combat yeah like, I, I thought it just didn't look very good personally. yeah i first it thought mashy. it was yeah because like i first thought this was like a a multiplayer game like an online multiplayer specific game and that explains why oh, okay. like you know like the avengers game from a couple of years ago and that's why it isn't like it, it, it. It's not not polished. It's like I guess because it, it's not a designed around active combat and things like that. It's kind of like role playing based, where there's still dice rolls happening in the background. So not you might have missed hits and things like that. But looking into it more, it's like no, it's not like that at all. It's it's meant to feel like an action RPG action game, like a God of War or Bayonetta or something. But I don't see that can like. The, the kineticness, like, how, how should I put it? Like, it doesn't have that level of polish. I'll put, uh, like that's it what kind I mean. of, like, lacks impact. Because, yes. like, it's like you're doing, like, juggling mechanics like those games. 
except you're kind of shooting something at them that makes them float very kind of you yeah. know really I don't know. For some reason, it's not very enticing to me, but maybe I'm just biased. But it's like they kind of end up floating in the air, kind of like flaccidly, <laughs> like they're just kind of <laughs> sitting there. And then, like, it, then you're just kind of shooting like pointless, you know, yep. energy bullets at them. And you kind of, it looks like you're just doing that a lot. <laughs> like, oh, that's, um, yes. Uh, so, uh, Polonites, welcome, welcome back, our Nor- Norwegian friend. Uh, talking about, uh, not my cup of coffee, playing a kid playing with his wand. Uh, on 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 point as as usual, and that this might be fun for a ten year old. I don't know. I feel like even ten year olds now expect more from their games. Like, unless all they know is Roblox, and and like kind it of the clunkiness of that. But even that, I feel like can be polished even better. I don't know about the polish. Like, it looks nice enough. Like, it looks like it. I mean, from what they presented, it looks like they made what they set out to. Mm. Largely, I don't think there's like I think the combat is probably about as close as they could get with That's what true. they're designing to me. Yeah, like it just doesn't look like it's mechanically like exciting to me. Like in theory, it maybe, but it feels like you had to get more ex- like kind of experimental and innovative, like inventive, with something with Harry Potter, which I think is usually just shooting beams at each other, like Dragon Ball. Sometimes I don't know. <laughs> maybe uh, that lot of it seems to be like. A lot of it seems to be like counters to spells. I actually don't remember it very well. Maybe that's not not very like combat friendly. Yeah, that's what maybe. I'm thinking. Is like because you're like disconnected. Like you, there's projectiles, but you're not shooting. You're still interacting with other things, but it's like you're not touching anything. Like there's not that sense of like action. Maybe that's just yeah. Like maybe that's just a a flaw of like anything that's gonna work with spells or magic. Yeah, it looks like they're trying to like almost like impose exciting qualities of like a mainstream blockbuster game yeah. onto it, mm. but it's not really fitting together. I don't know. Maybe I'll have a different impression if I watched it again. But yeah. I remember not being. I remember being largely impressed by how much school stuff there was, because that is what I'm mainly like drawn to personally. Yeah. But the combat looked not like just looked weak personally. So I'm kind of curious how it turns out i mean because it kind of reminded me like weirdly of like guardians of the galaxy which like i think a game largely turned out good but i remember when its gameplay was shown off it looked very oh just bad like, yeah like Boring. you're just kind of shooting pointless beams at them while your other guys do the work yeah it felt like it felt a little like that where it's just like it doesn't feel like you're like have much of a role in the <laughs> action that's happening on the screen especially when there's so much banter there's so much like kind of like quipping and stuff happening but like your character just seems like pew 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 pew. <laughs> well, in this case, I don't. It doesn't even yeah. look like there's much banter. No. Like I don't. I'm, I think your character does talk. So like, which I was actually surprised by. But um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't. Yeah, yeah, we'll see how it turns out. And you get to like recruit different companions, and I think you you do quests for them, and as they level up in your quote unquote friendship, they become like they'll go on adventures with you and help you out. So I wonder if there's like scope for co-op that could be fun um yeah, that, maybe, that, maybe I, I bet yeah. it'll be a little like mass effect where it's just like that's yeah, what like, i'm thinking you know people to hang out and uh you know do quests with and that's kind of the extent of it maybe they'll get involved in the end game in some way i don't know let's see i, I imagine yeah. that'll be kind of like um sorry but i bet i bet it'll be kind of um what's the word like familiar from like a, a bunch of other games you know like i don't think it'll do much that will be like all that mm. new yeah 
I guess uh, Polonites adds, it is like watching girls at the beach. You can interact with them, but you can't play with them as you like. That's, uh, yeah. that's I guess, but I guess you shouldn't be thinking about playing with them. <laughs> like, you, That's probably a, a bit disconcerting. Um, I would I would uh, advise you not to think that way. Just, just don't, just look away. Just don't even think about it. Just be polite. Um, and uh, Scavenger adds, doesn't seem like my kind of game. Yeah, I guess it's, I don't know. Like, it looks cool. Like, I actually like the way it looks. And I think it, it has, I like how there's like cool particle effects and like there's like kind of, uh, you know, there's there's some nice lighting tricks in the fog and things like that, but it it's not like it's gonna blow you away from like a graphical point of view. So I I don't know. It's I I I don't know who it's for, besides people who like really like Harry Potter and probably maybe don't know about all the J.K. Rowling stuff. I feel like it's someone who's played Uncharted before or like play, you know, buys the Sony games that come out every few, yep. like every year or so. Yeah. Like they've played those. They don't play too much else, but they've played those before and they're seeing yeah. a Harry Potter version of those. And they're like, woo. Games. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's coming out uh, holiday 2022. So end of this year on PC, PS4, PS5, Xbox One and Xbox Series consoles. Uh, no, no uh, announcement of a Switch release, but given how, I guess, like technically challenging it might be, I guess maybe don't expect a Switch release until much later. Like something similar to what happened with um the uh, the Witcher Three when that came to Switch. I think there's yeah. a better chance it gets a cloud version. That's true. Which actually, we won't be able to play here probably. <laughs> probably. Uh, which mm, I, I don't know if that's such a good idea for Switch anyway because like the Wi-Fi on the Switch is horrendous like compared okay. to compared like I mean the new Switch OLED has got like a, a USB-C like sorry a, an Ethernet port so that would help but yeah I'm not sure I'd, I'd want to rely on that especially for anything that requires any sort of like like precise action like I can't imagine playing yeah, like true. a Bayonetta on cloud version or something like that it just wouldn't work yeah yeah, but well, in more PlayStation news. Yes. Yes, my friend. Tell us. Okay. We've got <laughs> Oh, sorry. No. Uh my bad. I am uh I'm uh losing my thing, losing my uh my train of thought. Yes. So uh the other news story is that uh PlayStation has bought another company and that is Haven Studios. So Haven Studios was Founded, I think, late 2020, and I guess it came to fame when Sony announced that it was partnering with the developer, I guess, this month last year. So, Haven Studios is was set up by Jade Raymond, who's most famously known for, as kind of the co-director, co-creator of the original Assassin's Creed game, as well as a game called I Am Alive on the PS3 360. Uh, she was also involved with, I think it was EA Motive at... Uh, so the company is so the the developer behind the new Dead Space remake. Uh, so she was involved there, kind of working on an unannounced project before she left. I think it was an unannounced Star Wars project before that potentially got shelved and the team moved on to something else. So it's like oh, she was at Stadia for a second. That's right? right. She was the head of she was like the VP of like game development at Stadia and heading up everything there until Stadia basically shut down, 
and imploded last year. But she left prior to that and, and, and started Haven. So essentially, a year on since PlayStation announced its partnership, uh, Sony's uh, head of PlayStation Studios, Herman Holst, you know, uh, formerly from Guerrilla Games, announced that the company has purchased uh, Haven Studios and is uh, including it as part of its PlayStation Studios um, company. So that, that includes Naughty Dog, I think Insomniac, uh, Housemark. It's different to the deal with Bungie, where Bungie, I believe, is not actually part of PlayStation Studios. It's its own separate arm that's kind of working with Sony and has access to all the resources. So essentially, uh, the, the the main thing to, to take from this is that Haven Studios already partnered with Sony on a new multiplayer game. And this seems to be, I guess, a, 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 like to foster even more close closer collaboration. I mean, uh, like Herman Hulse described the new game as a, quote, a modern multiplayer experience. Um, and that, uh, you know, we believe in their, quote, creative and technical expertise. Um, and it's going to be a new original IP. So intellectual property, new franchise for PlayStation. At the bottom of the the uh, the article, uh, Jade Raymond also talked about the fact that yada yada, she's been super excited, um, and it's going to be quote a AAA multiplayer experience to, with a vision to build a systemic and evolving world focused on freedom, thrill, and playfulness that'll keep players in- entertained and engaged for years. So, <laughs> yes, so we already know that Bungie is going to assist. PlayStation with live service games, so games with long-term appeal, online, uh, you know, like multiplayer-based. This seems to be, this is pure speculation on my part. I see this as Haven Studios is making that game and Bungie is consulting and providing tech for that game. Because, yeah, yeah, I think, that's that's what I think. What do you think? And chat, what do you think? <laughs> um, I don't know. It feels like one of those. It feels so early that I, I kind of, I, I kind of like it's. I can't really think of much beyond just going, oh, that's interesting. But like, I think a lot of it's like, I feel like there's kind of there was some point where they were like interested enough in the IP to invest in it, and now they're at the point where they're willing to outright purchase it mm. in case of one, in case someone else buys it first. Which has been happening a lot, so that I feel like that's probably the big one. But yeah. like, or two, they were just like actually uh, confident enough in what Haven's making that they're willing to invest further into it. Yeah, to make sure it's like you know really, especially yeah. And you're right, like now that they've got Bungie to like kind of potentially assist, especially like considering it's like a pretty new studio mm-hmm. that I imagine is still. I mean, it's still running fine now, especially if they're willing to purchase it. Yeah, but it's um you know couldn't hurt. <laughs> having like an established studio help them along yeah that's the so, thing it's yeah i mean <laughs> i guess it must suck being someone like jade raymond who's like the last credits everyone refers to is like oh remember assassin's creed <laughs> remember and then no one references i am alive i feel like i'm the only person who remembers that exists <laughs> make you are because i don't remember it either <laughs> Oh, yeah. is that that like very gray one? Yes, <laughs> yes, like, yeah. that's the one where it's like um, it's like a post-apocalypse, and you're like, I, I don't even actually know what the premise of the game is. I just remember it was called "I Am Alive," 
and then it's a very yeah. grey looking game and it's a post apocalyptic game. I remember a guy like climbing a wall. Yeah, exactly. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. It 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 yeah. I don't think it had a very long shelf life. But imagine being someone with that much like kind of pedigree or like with that much like kind of talent or like leadership and experience, but then like the last like two projects you've been involved in have been like shuttered. <laughs> like I would hate that, you know what I mean? Maybe. I, I got the um I'm not sure if I read it from anywhere with like any actual knowledge of anything but my impression like i remember reading comments saying that she was a studio builder not necessarily one who mm, runs them like, i mean i'm sure she's fine at running them but yeah she's apparently very good at building an entire studio from scratch effectively which is a skill set in and of itself yeah yeah especially with the initiative mm. that seems like they could have used raymond <laughs> yeah so just looking at um uh chat uh we've got polonite saying is it a, um Let's see, talking about, uh, I guess, Harry Potter just before. Is it a good Aussie game? We need an Aussie game. Uh, I'm not sure if I could classify it as a good Aussie game. I mean, I guess an Aussie Hogwarts would be hilarious. Like, imagine meeting an Australian character in, like, Harry Potter. But I guess Australians in the 1800s would have been very indistinguishable from, like, British people. <laughs> unless you were, like, really working class. That's... that's um what I can think about. And then uh, Scavenger, speaking about Sony, is Sony needed to start throwing some money around, but they don't have anywhere near the war chest that Microsoft has. And that's true. Like, think about it. Like, PlayStation and, I guess, Sony Pictures are basically keeping Sony afloat, whereas, like, Microsoft has a very healthy services and software and, like, you know, online business that keeps it kind of, like, not, like, perpetually funded, but it's, like, there's always money coming in. And so you can take the risks and make the losses on Xbox and make it back in different ways. You know, that's why you can see all those, like, that's why Xbox Game Pass can be relatively affordable but still have a lot of included games and a lot of first, like, day release. Like, you know, like Tunic, which is, like, kind of that indie darling game about the Fox, the top-down Zelda-like was like kind of just surprise dropped on game pass last week <laughs> and it's like was it a surprise uh, i didn't know that i think it was as a, like as in people knew, like it was coming out but people didn't realize it was a game pass day and date i think oh, that okay. was a surprise so it was it got a full release um but it also came on game pass so it's like wow like um yeah yeah, it yeah makes so, sense, so it's like yeah. microsoft have has money to burn but sony mm. has to be a bit more selective Exactly, so and, and kind of like interesting, yeah. yeah. Like it's kind of interesting to see what kind of purchases they're making when they're not really able yeah. or willing to spend money on just. I mean, not in that Microsoft, they're just spending money on whatever. Hmm. But compared to Sony, like Microsoft and Embracer and Tencent to a degree, even though they're not buying anything, they're just investing. But like, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're just kind of throwing money around at, in like a you know, venture capitalist does. <laughs> Just yes. like, oh, this might make money. Yes. Doesn't matter if it doesn't. And that's the thing, like, that's why, like, Microsoft does this thing where it's like, oh, I'll get, like, a, a couple of months of Disney Plus for Xbox Game Pass Ultimate members. And, like, I think until, like, last month, Microsoft was offering 75 days free Crunchyroll Premium for, like, oh, yeah. Game Pass Ultimate members, which I just missed out on because we'll talk about it a little bit later but i i've switched over to country role <laughs> um but yeah like oh, yeah. i mean i'm positive always good to see like new studios come up and, and get funding and new new games being launched i guess like destiny's kind of like destiny like if you think about like a, a long-term game with uh, like 
a, like a steady player base like Destiny's probably one of the rare ones like besides something like a a Warzone uh, sorry Call of Duty Warzone like besides Battle Royale games like it's pretty much Destiny and maybe like Final Fantasy 14 but that's more like an MMO which has traditionally always been like that like I'm just trying to think of a game that like can you think of a game that really has had legs like Destiny well, I know Destiny seems. I mean, you play it and yeah. I don't, so maybe I'm wrong. But like, it seems harder to qualify as like I like and where it because you know like Rainbow Six is another shooter that's doing well. That's true. Being yes, yes. Rail and stuff like, but it's like it, Destiny is also like it's operating like MMO except it doesn't have a subscription price and it yeah. releases less content yes. than a MMO typically does. Yeah, so it's kind of like this weird. It's not even really a hybrid so much as it's like an alternate version of MMO and an, an mm. MMO. Yeah. I mean, in my mind, like just from what yeah. I know of it. No, that's fair. That's fair. It's like the modern, modern equivalent of like a wow. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe it like it, more money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, maybe it doesn't. I actually, I think it costs less, yeah. which probably is like overall than, you know, cause like Final Fantasy 14 costs like $30 a month or something. Yeah. It costs a fair bit. Of, yeah. Like, you know, if you're spending a lot, but it seems like, lot, but I mean, the fact that they have to buy like a new, a new server farm every day probably makes sense. <laughs> um, but yeah, Scavenger adds the fact that Microsoft was prepared to pr- throw enough at Activision Blizzard to make Halo not Xbox's number one FPS says a lot. I mean, I guess like yeah, if you interpret it that way, um, yeah, like imagine I guess like maybe within the next couple of years, like Call of Duty is a is the Xbox the Xbox's shooter. <laughs> like franchise yeah it's yeah. yeah i don't know it's like i think it's like it's i think his story is like it's kind of familiar overall <laughs> it's like well, i think we've um mm. it is kind of interesting to see how sony's going to move into that yeah. sphere though yeah they're still making like twisted metal as well i don't know why i thought of that but like i was thinking <laughs> and moving towards like online centric games yes. which they typically don't make many of nowadays yeah so it's gonna be interesting to see how they expand for on sure that goal over time for sure well, uh, let's. That's enough about PlayStation. Let's move over to s- some more serious things in the world, and I guess uh, some other game developers getting behind the the cause and supporting, uh, you know, the Ukraine uh, fundraising effort. John, tell us. Yes, um, there's been a few. I mean, among many, there's been a lot of companies and people giving money to the Ukraine humanitarian mm-hmm. efforts to mm-hmm. get people out and get people um, safe. Um, but in the gaming sphere, there's been a few. Um, there's been at least two bundles that we're aware of, as well as one other situation that I'll mention. So first is the Ukraine Humble Bundle, which is operating until, or is running until March 25. So you got a few days to buy it if you want it. I think it's like around $55 last I saw when I saw it yeah. the other day. Um, costs a fair bit, but it includes 123 games. A lot of them are kind of high, pro- high profile. A lot of them are like tabletop things as well. Yeah. Stuff like that. Like, there's a, a big selection. Is this the one on Humble or is this the one on Itch.io? Humble. <laughs> Humble. Okay, cool. Because I'm going to look that up Itch.io. right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yeah. pull that up right now. Yeah, so the Ukraine Humble Bundle has raised over 16 million Australian as of now, so it'll end with a bit more. Mm. All 16 million is being split between four charities. So this is Rezom for Ukraine, International Rescue Community, Committee, International Medical Corps, and Direct Relief. Mm. Um, medical cause. 
Don't, don't get that confused. Oh, right. Corpse yeah. is something a little bit different. <laughs> uh, it's such a like in like buried pronunciation pronunciation from yeah. like childhood. Always <laughs> like it took a long time. To yeah. Not. Yeah. Well, just quickly, like some of the games that folks can get, uh, you know, include uh, Metro Exodus Enhanced Edition, Max Payne Three, Sunset Overdrive, Fable Anniversary, uh, Slay the Spire, The Long Dark. Like, there's quite a few games in here. Super Hot, Dear Esther. Um, yeah, like it, there's there's quite a lot here that you know, even if like you you just purely want to support. Um, the charities, like I'm sure you'll find something in here that you'd like to play as well, especially if you've got something like a Steam Deck, because some of this stuff, um, like I think, is also Steam codes, which is a uh, cool. Hmm. hmm. Anyway, sorry, sorry, John. Please. Yeah. <laughs> um, the second bundle, um, the one hatch held on Itchio, um, bundle for Ukraine. Um, they offered. It's over now, sadly. But it um, ended on March 18, but it raised 8.6 million Australian. Hmm. Um, it offered 998 items. A lot of them is like tabletop stuff and just like, it's a really cool selection of stuff, actually. I don't know. I, it feels weird to try and like <laughs> um, shill it when it's done. But like, um, yeah, so they raised 8.6 million. They split these proceeds 50 50 between International Medical Corps, Medical Corps and hmm. Voices of Children. And then lastly, Epic Games and Xbox announced on March 20th, a couple of days ago, that they were donating all Fortnite proceeds to Ukrainian you know, humanitarian efforts till um, April 3rd. Mm-hmm. And as of yesterday, so after the day, they've already rela- raised 36 million US or 48 million Australian. Crazy. So which is them. really awesome, actually. Good on them. <laughs> um, yeah, so they, this is being split between Direct Relief, United Nations Children's Fund, World Food Program, and UN Refugee Agency. So now, kids, when you when you uh, hound your parents for, you know, Fortnite V Bucks or like adults who are like trying to justify the new dance or the new emotes, like think of think of it as supporting the Ukraine uh, fundraising effort. I guess yeah. <laughs> you can get away with it for the next week or so. All right, it's, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they spent twenty dollars on our skin. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, John. Um, I guess like, I guess like that's that's kind of like it's it, it's it's great to see like a positive use of these transaction market transactions. Like we don't really get to see yeah too much for once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm super happy. I lo- love to see what's going on here. I'm sure, I'm sure Bungie's done something similar as well. Um, okay. For for the Ukraine relief. Yeah, I think there was like a thing where you get, you get a free emblem. You can sign up for a free emblem that shows like it's got the Ukrainian colors. I've got it up on screen um, for folks at home who are listening. But essentially, it's a it's a special um, emblem like you know your banner that you see in multiplayer and, and against your character supporting. Uh, uh, I guess like uh, Raison, Sunflower for, Ple- uh, for Peace, International Committee of the Red Cross, um, Direct Relief, International Rescue Committee. So, you know, donations like the Bungie Foundation is donating to Direct Relief and International Rescue Committee directly. And that's been doing like Destiny has been doing, sorry, Bungie has been doing a lot of things um, like towards causes over the years. And this is just the latest in that. So it's great to see like companies kind of I guess offering what people what players want, which is like 
cosmetics and and doing yeah. something in exchange that actually does make a difference, which is cool. Like we don't get to see that a lot. Like gaming gets a bad rap and I think sometimes like we need to take a step back and realize no we can also come together and do things that are really really awesome as well and we should we should appreciate that yeah it's yeah. it's very good to see it happening on such like a wide scale as well because mm. we mm. only matched three of them yes so oh four now but like um you know it's it doesn't always happen and it's very like it's just kind of good to see yeah. right. you're very right big, uh catastrophe yeah and i guess to uh to uh you know talking about things that we should encourage i'm very encouraged by netflix's two new announcements number one we've got the official trailer for tekken bloodline it's a new anime series it's it's got that cool like kind of art style where it's like kind of it's like 3d with like a cell shaded kind of i don't know a cell shaded like art style like it, 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 you can you when whenever there's like kind of camera shifts and stuff, you can kind of see the 3D effect happening, which is kind of cool, similar to like something that you'd see in like the Guilty Gear games or other Arc System Works games. And the the show is called Tekken Bloodline, and it's due later this year. Um, uh, it is due. I don't think there was an official release date. I might be. I don't think there was actually. But anyway, um, it's a it's an anime series that. It seems like it's set between the events of Tekken 2 and 3, where uh, we see a very young Jin Kazama, who is the protagonist. Okay, Tekken's got a very complicated history. Essentially, what you need to know is that Jin comes from a very complicated bloodline. On his dad's side, he comes from the the Mishima like, uh, family that is like very hyper-aggressive, very competitive. And then you've got the kazama bloodline from his mother's side she's very peaceful but she also has something called the devil gene which is kind of like you've got it's in her bloodline where there's like literally inherited a demon that can overcome you and take take you over like um it's i uh, really love no no opposite (laughs) opposite the demon comes from the mishima side because of jin's grandma (laughs) but Jin's mum, who is also a skilled warrior in her own right and raised basically Jin by herself, is a peaceful person who's like got the counterpart to it. And essentially in Tekken, by the time Tekken 3 happens, uh, Jin's mum has perished at the hands of Ogre, which is like this ancient god from like the Aztec times, like who's like basically just like a fighting god. Oh. Like, I think of like, I never actually understood what Ogre was because I've only yeah. played like some of the later ones, and I remember the only I think the only one I played where he was in it was um Ta- Tekken Tag Two. Yeah, yeah. He's just a dude like, true Ogre I don't, stuff, like yeah. I don't really play these story modes <laughs> like almost ever with Tekken in a long time. As like yeah. I remember seeing him, it's like <laughs> I didn't know that's what his thing was. Like, like I thought he was just a guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a few years older than you, so Tekken Three was the shit in arcades back in like '97, '98, and then like. Okay. It was like the game. Like Street Fighter was like, oh, that's 2D. Who plays that? Now we're going to 3D, right? And Tekken 3, like coming to the PlayStation was a huge thing. It was like, oh my God, this actually looks better than the arcade game. And Tekken 3 is like when the series really took off and went mainstream. And Jin Kazama was like, a, like Tekken 3 was like, oh, here's a new generation of fighters. You've got Jin Kazama. You've got, um, you know, uh, Huarang. Uh, you know, you've got like uh, Zhao Yu. 
Oh god, I'm gonna butcher all their names. Anyway, but there's like a new generation of fighters, and like basically this series looks like, um, it's like following on from his mum's death, and so uh, Jin goes to his paternal grandfather Hayahachi Mishima. Everyone should know him. He's he's the guy with the crazy. Okay, he's one of the guys with the crazy hair that goes in all different angles, like his, yeah, and he's that? like super violent, and like Jin has gone to him to learn how to become a better fighter. And learn the Mishima style of fighting, so he can defeat Ogre and get revenge. And I guess like he's gonna enter the King of the Iron Fist tournament, and and face off against Ogre, who's like kind of like the ultimate boss in Tekken Three. I mean, if this is consistent with what the game stories are, I think this is set during that timeline, and will kind of follow Jin as he becomes a like a, I guess like a deadly warrior. And it, it looks cool. Like I'm I'm excited. I mean, maybe the. You, you and I both were big fans of the Castlevania series on Netflix. Yeah. So, like, I'm, I am optimistic. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look bad at all. Like, I feel no. like it looked better than Dragon's Dogma, or I haven't seen that. Whatever no. other, because I watched like four episodes of that one, and for some, it's not terrible. It's just very generic. So yeah. I'm kind of not convinced this one will have too much personality, personally. Gotcha. But yeah, I don't know. Netflix already <laughs> has Barky on it, <laughs> which is which is like kind of like you, you, like if we're talking about fighting gods and over the top characters like Tekken, pretty much. Like now that I'm like, it, it's interesting seeing like you you can kind of see like where JoJo like watching more of the JoJo's bizarre adventure. Like you can kind of see where like kind of that like Dragon Ball, Fist of the North Side, and all this stuff. Like they all kind of have that trope of like just ever ridiculous fighting gods like basically inhuman people just like escalating their like powers yeah <laughs> and and yeah. like tekken's i guess like uh, like the fighting game version of that in terms of like you know like I, I think even street fighter doesn't get as crazy as what tekken does but anyway we'll um yeah we'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll get to see a lot more about that but in related news, uh, Netflix has uh, offered some more information about its upcoming Resident Evil live-action series. So it released a, a trio of teaser art images. One of them, uh, I guess, has like kind of like bubbles of like blood, which is, I guess, Spooky. cool. Spooky. And then the other one, it's got a pill marked uh, with the word joy, uh, which seems like some to be some sort of like drug uh that's administered by the umbrella corporation which is the notoriously bad like the evil corporation in the resident evil series and then there's a another uh image which has the 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 release date the official global release date of july 14 um and like a vial of blood with apparently someone who's tested positive to the t-virus which uh you know is kind of like the 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 main virus that causes the, the zombie outbreaks across Resident Evil. Like, for folks at home, essentially, the, the history is that, like, in, in, in Africa, there was, like, this cave where this type of, like, poisonous plant grew. And if you took the plant and you survived, you became, like, a crazy warrior. Um, basically, in, in, like, the law, like, the, the, the Umbrella Corporation was founded by these people who discovered that, like, they became, like, pharmaceutical, like, kind of, like conglomerate or whatever, but they essentially traveled to Africa, found those plants, tried to mutate them and create like bio soldiers, and that that's kind of like where 
the T virus and everything kind of mutated from, and and then it just kind of escalates from there and gets crazier and crazier. It's it's ridi- like yeah, <laughs> if you if you if you're like me and just like end up watching law videos on things that you haven't played or haven't seen yourself, like, <laughs> you'll just lose yourself in hours of stuff like that. So, my favorite part of this is the fact that it's got uh, <laughs> Lance Reddick, who's um, <laughs> who's uh, the, uh <laughs> yeah, like I love the fact that he's um, playing Albert Wesker. Which is kind of a twist on the game, a uh, twist on the game where Albert Wesker's traditionally been like their Aryan super soldier, like super blonde, blue eyes, pale skin, and everything. In in the games, like he's basically like one of two twins who's been experimented on to become a super soldier. In this, according to the the kind of the the Netflix synopsis. Um, in the year 2036, and this is a quote, 14 years after a deadly virus caused a global apocalypse, Jade Wesker fights for survival in a world overrun by the bloodthirsty, infected, and insane creatures. In this absolute carnage, Jade is haunted by her past in New Raccoon City by her father's chilling connections to the Umbrella Corporation, but mostly by what happened to her sister, Billy. So Jade and Billy are twins uh, born to Albert Wesker, who... In the games, like, is not <laughs> not shy, uh, doesn't shy away from experimenting on friends and colleagues to see what he can create. And I guess in this story, it's kind of hinted at that this is the case here, where it's set between previously been told, like, announced that it's set between two timelines when both the twins are like teenagers, and like the present day when, um, you know one of the siblings is i guess trying to uncover what happened to uh billy it's it'll be cool like the the it seems like it's a good idea like i watched i don't know if you saw it but like that most recent like kind of like resident evil show oh show yeah the one that oh um, the 3d animated one yes that one okay i will uh, what? I thought you were going to talk about the movie that no, came out. No, we don't year. talk about that. That was apparently really shockingly I, bad. Apparently. I, I liked it. Did you watch it? The ending was bad. Okay. But okay. Like, I actually liked a lot See, of it. See, that's the thing. I heard that like people who weren't into Resident Evil didn't like it. But people who were really into Resident Evil, maybe they they got a lot more out of it because they could kind of connect the dots in the background. Maybe. A little bit. Because yeah. I knew what it was doing. It was like, because to Welcome to Raccoon City basically like kind of compressed first yeah. three games or That's maybe just the first two yeah i think the first it, got, it has yeah. like a lot of imagery yeah and set pieces from those games and like pushing the game and it's like it draws a lot from the remake of two a lot like just kind of in terms of how it's like everything's depicted and like all these different sets that look exactly like how they do in the that game mm. resident evil infinite darkness is the one that i'm thinking about <laughs> that's the show yeah. that is set like after like raccoon city and it's got like Ava Wong, oh sorry, Ada Wong, like rookie cop Leon S. Kennedy. Um, as like he's like kind of like it's been years after what's happened to Raccoon City. Leon and Claire like kind of roped into another outbreak, and yeah, and now like that White House has been attacked. It's like I I watched like the that, first like, few episodes. Yeah. Okay. Mm, like. <laughs> Yeah, like, I'm not going to say it's good. Like, I found it endearing in a weird way, but, yeah. Um, I wouldn't say, seen, yeah, it's anything special. Have you seen all those other movies? 
like the 3D animation? Because I kind of I had the impression it was connected no, to those, no. but I never actually double checked. Because all those ones I think are technically canon. And I was kind of, I figured this was like a TV version That's true. of that. Yes, like, I mean, it references Resident Evil 2, Resident Evil 4. Like, Leon has already saved the president's daughter and stuff. Like, he's already, like, kind of, like, well-known. And it's like, oh, I didn't realize it's only four episodes. I thought it was a bit longer than that. Maybe I'll finish it off because, cause like, why not? Like, <laughs> yeah. at this stage, what is time? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm really excited about that. I'll, I'll put it that way. Like I'm cautiously optimistic. It's being written by um a guy named Andrew Dab, who has been who's written episodes of Supernatural, the TV show. Okay. So you know, there's some pedigree there. Let's we'll fingers crossed. Like I'm like July's not that far away. We've got Moon Knight coming up. We've got other Marvel shows. Like, well, you know, we've got something to bite our time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I guess, yes. uh, yeah. Um, that's something to, to leave it uh, to, uh, I guess really, it's a yeah, positive yeah, note, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was really, oh, sorry, I I'm sorry that I zoned out a bit. I am really interested in this series and like, it's it's really weird at how it's, it seems to have, it's such a out of left field sort of adaptation where it seems to take like a few bits and pieces but completely make them different mm. so i'm kind of confused why it exists because i'm not against adaptations that take like really weird turns on stuff that already exists like i don't want like i'm cool with new stories but it's this one's i don't know they made they made the movie that was like kind of directly an adaptation of the games yeah and they have like yeah they had that animated series you watched <laughs> they had the old movies that were like completely different it's like i don't know what they're doing with this one mm -hmm. <laughs> like, uh, that's so true that's true. Uh, just just quickly uh, in chat, Scavenger added when we were talking about the Microsoft kind of acquisition news. I'd be all for Sledgehammer Games, so the developers of Call of Duty World War Two and uh, I guess Infinite, not Infinite War. I think it was Infinite Warfare. I know there was Advanced Warfare as well. Uh, I'd be all for Sledgehammer Games making an ODST sequel though. So Halo Three ODST was like kind of like a standalone spin-off of Halo Three. But it was actually based around the events of Halo 2, like from the perspective of the ODST soldiers on the ground. Essentially, ODSTs were like, they're still kind of like super soldiers in a way, but they're just, they're a lot more closer to like normal humans. They don't have all the augmentations and the special suits as like a full on Spartan has. So you're very much vulnerable. And it was a very different take on Halo. It was like it had like a jazz soundtrack. It was set during nighttime in New Mombasa. Like you basically had a lot of stealth gameplay, and you're basically putting together like a like the events of the night before from the different perspectives of the different players of the different people in your team. So it was a very different. Um, I guess like take on Halo. warfare might have had vibes of ODST a little bit. Yeah, like I mean, there's definitely pedigree there. I can definitely see that working. So yeah, that that's definitely a good call there. <laughs> yes, they're like the SAS. That's true. That yes. Quite literally, because the SAS, I think, started as, like, in a special, like, aerial service. Like, they were basically, like, they came from, like, the paratroopers in World War Two from, like, the the British military. So, um, hmm. you know, you know, yeah, anyway, that's that's going to do it for the news section for this uh, this part of the show. Let's um take it over to pop the general chit-chat and some quick discussions about pop culture.
So, John, you've been playing yep. some Final Fantasy VII? <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah, I've been playing the original because I bought it like a few months ago on Switch. I've been meaning yes. to play it for ages. Uh, like, especially because like the remake, uh, like the remake was a PS Plus game, and then it was like upgraded a few months back to like you know the PS Five version for free. Yes. So I hadn't played it yet because yes. I wanted to play the PS Five version. They announced like at the same time. Like um, it's. But this yeah, is so, the like, original. Was, like they took some. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Okay. I was distracted by something. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was like, I wanted to play the original one because I heard that the remake sort of like um, tweaked some elements. Like it's kind of being. It is it's a being completely different game. Completely different telling of events and stuff. I thought there was like some similarities. Like I, I had the impression there that are. the ending kind of set up a lot of like a very like a splintering off. Of the yes, um, so think of a multiverse yeah. version of Final Fantasy VII. That is what remake is. Yeah, like so, I had the impression that like one from what I've heard, which isn't much, but like from what I heard, remake is kind of a better game if you have like knowledge of the original. Seems like it, yes. Because it kind of, yeah. So that's kind of why I wanted to play it, and also I don't know. I think I just wanted something turn-based, and ended up not actually being that. <laughs> Which I was surprised by. It's actually a very different game than I expected because I I didn't know much about it. Have um, you for some played... reason I've watched like yeah? I'm oh, sorry. Oh. No, I was going to say like, does it have like kind of that active time battle system from like Chrono oh, yeah. Trigger and Final Fantasy Four, like that kind of? It's like kind of like there's some turn-based element to it, but you still have a timer where you're you know you have to get things done in your turn before the enemy attacks and stuff. Yeah, like because the only Final Fantasy game I've played is and it's been a long time so i don't remember it very well but i don't remember it being like this one where you have like everything's moving like because i had it set to like wait in the time in the settings mm. so like when you're navigating a menu in combat time will stop and you have like a little free time but otherwise in combat everything is always in motion and it's like it's not really much of a turn-based system like it's it's more like i mean it is but it's it's a very loose interpretation of the word turn kind of it's yes. like everyone else is on their own timer and everything yeah. kind of keeps going regardless of what anyone's doing yeah so it, it is very much like an evolution of the active time battle like this is probably all old news to everyone at home screaming yes. at us because like it's final fantasy 7 how do you not know it it's robert pattinson's favorite game but we haven't played it <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it's like one thing because i might write about it but we'll see if i have time but it's like Ooh. one thing that really um just because i found it really interesting because like mm. one thing that really kind of because i'm like past the first section of the game and i'm into like the open worldy part yes i'm at the golden saucer if anyone listening knows it was that um, the circus it's like it's sort of like the arcade you know? type thing yes okay cool cool yeah. cool that's where all the like the mini games and stuff are, i think yeah yeah um, I'm at, I'm pretty much there right now. Oh no, I'm in the prison underneath it. That's right. So you've beat the the reactor. Like that's the first chapter, right? It's like where you, yeah, you fight yeah. the reactor. So all the Final Fantasy remake is basically the game until the end of the reactor. So yeah, yeah so, like it's yeah. it's always set in Midgar or whatever it's yeah, called, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. Um, but um, sorry, so, I, I do I've derailed sorry. you again. Like, <laughs> Yeah, you have to be like sensitive with me. My mind just immediately goes off in some other direction if it's provoked. Um, 
but yeah so what like what really struck me early on was just how like cinematic it is like there's a big focus on imagery it feels very very ambitious for the time and like the main takeaway i had was like oh i can see why people wanted a remake of this because it's like it's like so it's so striving to put images in your head at the best of its ability like all these like painted backgrounds all these like different camera angles using like the 3d graphics yes. so, you know very new to the series there's like all these different approaches to how it like presents yeah. the story and images of the game yeah and a lot it's of like, pre-rendered not... cutscenes of the time yeah like there's all these different ways of like just yeah like just all these different forms of presentation and it's just like oh i could see it. like so they're kind of like they're reaching so hard to make like to really make the images in their head appear in the game yeah but because it's 1997 it doesn't really work yeah. like it, it looks great still for what it is yeah but it's so like it's so archaic and like it looks yeah. so primitive like it's i kind of like, love it but it's yeah it's like obviously like you can especially if you're a kid and you have like a real imagination for it i can so easily see kids going like having like a very distinct image of what it's presenting it to me it, it always yeah. it always looked like action figures yeah yeah exactly like that. action figures playing against like a a play set like 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 sort of like marionettes on a stage like there's like a static background and a lot of movement happening in the yeah. foreground um, but it's just like it's not just that it's like you know like you'll kind of go into you'll move into the next scene and it's like cloud walk like crawling towards you an event and this is like whoa this is weird like it's not like static like top down yeah, or anything it's yeah. not keeping like camera angles are always changing there's like cut scenes with you know like yeah like pre uh was it pre-rendered <laughs> yeah pre-rendered um, assets yeah. and stuff yeah yeah and it's like it's so That's so cool <laughs> it's just yeah it's, it's so much more ambitious than i thought and it's like so far away from what they want to do <laughs> like, yeah it's like i could i yeah like it's I love that they tried and it clearly like worked for most people who played it. Yeah. You know? like, everyone who played it, you know, generally loves it or just feels like a strong attachment to it. Mm. And I can see why now, because it's like it's like it's reading it's like reading a novel as a kid or just you know, or any age really. But especially when you're like you don't when, you know, there's like really formative books or something where it's like it's trying to, you know, kind of create images in your head that isn't really being presented like literally in front yeah. of you. Cause like, and it's yeah, yeah, I know. Sorry, I, I'm just. It's just blown my mind that it's like this game's 25 years old. <laughs> yes, and it's like <laughs> how much things have changed since then. But like, I can only imagine like coming from like Final Fantasy VI, which was on the Super Nintendo, to <laughs> this, that would have blown your mind back then. Yeah, I know. It's like <laughs> that's kind of that's what I keep thinking about. It's like it's just like this is so gigantic for what it is like for the time period like also that's another thing this game is stupidly massive there's like yeah. so much like every time i keep looking up help for something little like some little mechanic where i'm like not totally clear on what it does it's like oh okay this is like an entirely different game like an entirely new game buried within it yeah it's like i tried looking up like um chocobo betting so i was kind <laughs> yeah. of a little confused on how it works and it's like oh wait you can like raise chocobos it's like there's like all oh, this whole new system and it like keeps happening yeah it's just it's like cause I, like i can understand why people um because you know before the remake came out people were like really um what's the word like they just didn't really think it, they would pull it off yeah and like, to an extent they didn't because they only did one part of the game you know because this game is like so big and it's like it, you're doing it by like today's standards is like such a different task 
like telling that kind of story yeah because it's, it's such a huge like it just has such huge scale yeah as a game that's the thing and like imagine trying to adapt that to 4k high resolution everything like you that's why you can kind of see why people questioned how this game would how the remake would handle it but i think it was very smart doing that that alternate universe take because sorry it's a bit late over here um that uh like you can you can imagine that like you kind of had to <laughs> you know the sheer amount of resources taken to kind of build out the assets in the in the world of the the original game like i think there's a lot of scope to it and there's a lot to final fantasy 7 like we might look back and think of it like it looks kind of comical in a way but like there is a lot to the game but yeah i don't know man it's it's, it's just crazy like i i'm keen to hear more about your thoughts uh, as it kind of develops as you play more of it do you think it holds up um i think so i think the only thing about it is like i really i'm still not really into how like how active the combat system is like i was sure. so on board for turn-based and it's like yes. it's just like I, I i think they knew exactly what they were doing though because it's like it's very forgiving so far yes like you, you don't have to try very hard to like beat anything yeah like it, it seems very it's so far it's been very easy in my experience and there haven't been very like every time i look it up it's like people talking about how it's like oh, i do this and this in my run and it's like it feels like it's the more you get to know it it's more like a quit asking you how do you want to break this run this playthrough <laughs> like do you want to do this yeah. and just destroy this element or do you want to do this like because otherwise as far as i can tell the base difficulty cool. is very low it's you kind of do whatever you want but yeah i don't know like i'm actually not sure like that's just my impression no just, no like, i i gathering bits and pieces. like for context like my experience with jrpgs is pretty much just chrono trigger and final fantasy 13 they were the most like kind of like opposite <laughs> sides of the spectrum yeah. but uh, this is like the active time battle system i think was introduced in final fantasy 4 and then evolved in chrono trigger and then this is like another evolution of that. So it's like, think of this as like, you know, revision three or whatever it was. So it, it definitely does, like when you first see it, you think, oh yeah, I've got all the time in the world to kind of th think out my turn. But no, like there's always a timer. Like if you take too long, like the enemies are going to get to you and you have to think about, okay, what's a quick move versus a long move and things like that. Well, it's like what I, what I pictured it was, because like I played, with four, with Final Fantasy four, I played the DS remake. That's the only one I have. Like, I don't know how many people have. Yes, like, people don't seem gotcha. to like it that much. But yeah. I really, I like how it looks and I like how it played. Which, like, oh. yeah, that was a, especially difficult. I think it was tuned very. I think the reason why people didn't like it is because it was tuned to be very difficult versus the original game. Oh, okay. so it's actually it was actually based on the PlayStation release because the PlayStation release had like better music, had like full cutscenes and and stuff like that. And so that was the one that was brought over to PlayStation and and I know from what I remember it was notoriously a difficult game, a difficult version of the game on the oh, DS. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because <laughs> the only thing I remember about it, like that I thought people anno were annoyed by is because the character models don't have feet. <laughs> they all have hooves. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh what? That I don't know. Hooves. They just don't have like feet, feet modeled. Feet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Models. It just looks yeah. like a rounded off like doll feet yeah. or something. Okay, yeah, I get you. I actually like how they looked a lot, but... But like, they at least they gave like it a look. I remember looking... I remember watching my mate play Final Fantasy VII in like 2001 i was like what the hell is this dumb game this looks so stupid 
Like, what is this flat 2D artwork that looks worse than Zelda? And then, excuse me, sorry, like, with the backgrounds, how, how like, like, it just literally is, like, a picture that you, like, walk through. Yeah. <laughs> like, some of the backgrounds. And, like, I was, like, the whole concept of, like, wait, so you're on this, like, overworld. You're just one person. But then when you go into the game, suddenly four people appear. Like, what? That doesn't make any sense to me. Or like, this dumb PlayStation game. I'm Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like that's how I was thinking back then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, sorry. That's what I was going to get at. It's like, when I... My memories of 4, which might be completely off base, is that when it's active, you, you know, everyone had their own little loading bars until they could have a turn. Yeah. And my impression, my memory of it is that once that load bar happened, that turn started, and now you, everyone else has to wait. Mm. I didn't like in seven. It doesn't work like that. It's like it loads up. They can start. They can start working on their turn, but yeah. everyone else's turns are happening. Are still happening. Still. Yes. Yeah. Like everyone else is moving, and it's yeah. just like oh, I don't really. I mean, like it's fine. It's like it's just very different from what. It's I like want. a like um, there's like a risk reward thing, where it's like, do I go for something that'll take longer to summon but can be devastating, and risk missing, or do I go for like quicker attacks? and buy time for my healer to heal my team. And, oh, well, yeah. as far as I can tell, there isn't actually much, like, charging time from stuff, actually. Okay. A lot That's of it's cool. just... It, it does come down a bit to, like, how long a character can charge, but as far as I can tell, True. like, they're always, they always seem to be pretty similar to one another. Okay, I don't know, it's, That's like, good. a distinct difference, yeah. Yeah, no, fair so, enough. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm... Like, hopefully next week we can get more... I, I, want, I want to know, like, once you played it a bit more, what you think about it. And, uh, yeah, maybe maybe we'll see a rewind on this. It'll be cool. To get that yeah, perspective, yeah. twenty-five years yeah, on. But you have, <laughs> you have been playing JoJo. Oh, well, watching, watching JoJo. JoJo's, yes. So I have been watching JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and it is quite the bizarre adventure. I'm not gonna lie; it's um, uh, it's it's interesting. <laughs> I'm now up to what is it? It's the second one. It's yeah. it's the one with Joseph. I'm not going to do it again. I keep doing the, the, the accent. I don't yeah, know. I'm not expecting if you I, to. If it's I offended anyone up. last week. Um, but yeah, like, um, it's the second arc. So I'm like partway through that. Um, yep. Where it's like, it's like set 50 years after the events of, of the first arc. So it's like, you're, you're, it's following Joseph Joestar, who's the descendant of... Um, he's a descendant of Jonathan Jonathan Joestar from the original, and he's like where Jonathan Joestar was all about being a, a like a a gentleman, like a, a gentleman and a scholar, seeing the best in people. Like Joseph Joestar is like very like the opposite. He's very brash, quick to anger, a show off, a bit of a douche, but like still lovable in that kind of same Joestar way, where it's like, yeah. oh, you you're an idiot, but we love you. <laughs> and like Irina who was like Jonathan's wife in the original series now she's like a grandma like she's his grandma and I guess you're meant to assume that she was pregnant <laughs> during the end of the original series and like and that's why there's a Joestar line still continuing and then Speedwagon the I guess the the, the best friend of uh, the original Jojo, he's still around. He's now an oil tycoon somehow. <laughs> an oil tycoon? Yeah, okay. that's that's apparently how he made his money. Right. And now the... Uh, basically, the main threat now is this 
people call the pillar men who are like discovered among the the mine ruins where you know the original stone masks that gave turned people into vampires were and now there's actually more that were found in europe so it's like these are like kind of like these ancient warrior gods that fought against the hamon clan so the clan that joestar the joestar family i guess is kind of affiliated with and knows the techniques of and it's like apparently it's called hamon and also ripple apparently yeah, depending on the translation yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, speaking of that, the reason I've actually switched from watching it on Netflix to watching it on Crunchyroll because the Netflix translation is actually not correct. It is actually just oh. a, is just basically they took the dub which was already kind of like americanized and kind of like I don't know, like simplified and then it's basically just a transcri- transcription of that dub, not a translation of the original Japanese, so to speak. So that's why the like the the things that they're yelling out don't match what the Japanese is, and you can like there's some very clear like kind of word English words that kind of come out and don't translate, and it's like it, it always irked me, and then I looked into it and I realized why, because like I switched between English and Japanese, I was like wait a minute, the subtitles match the English perfectly. This doesn't make this can't be right, and then I looked it up, and then it turns out Crunchyroll has got the the like the proper translation whereas Netflix apparently with all of its anime that it like licenses that isn't its own it's it's got that like kind of it's called uh, a fan dub it's called like um I think it's called like dub sub or something like that where it's basically it's not a real sub it's not a real like translation it's actually just the anglicized translation and then just like written out under the Japanese with the Japanese voice acting so I'm not sure which one you watched but yeah I would have watched the one you're watching now, like the original one. Yeah. Because I don't, I didn't watch it on Netflix. But it makes yeah. me wonder if the newest part has that problem as well, considering you can only watch it on Netflix. See, maybe with that it's different. Maybe with that, like because Netflix is doing it from the beginning, maybe it's got a better yeah. licensing, like a translation team. But who knows? Like, I, I, I hope that it's solved because, like, I, like I don't know. Like, there's some anime that I can watch dubbed, like Cowboy Bebop. Samurai Champloo, like those anime, Wolf's Rain, like animes like that, I'm like, oh, I'd love it in English. Like the voice actors just, I th- I th- hear them in English because they've got such icon- iconic voices. But then there's some stuff like this where it's like, no, the Japanese, you need to listen to it in Japanese because it's so over the top. Like there's Japanese expressions, the way they speak and the way they yeah. carry themselves <laughs> that doesn't translate. Yeah, like I don't think I've heard the dubs for Jojo at all, but I can... It's like I could definitely agree with it with JoJo specifically. Yeah. Like I'm cool with dubs generally, but like at all, like completely. It's like they're not a problem. But it's like with JoJo, it's like oh yeah, like that one <laughs> is kind of a weird one to imagine yeah. in English. And it's like it's cool. Like he's and he's like kind of like JoJo is like this lovable douchebag of a guy, and now he's like kind of learning to harness his Hamon powers alongside the 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 grandson of. Baron Zappelli from the original series who was like kind of the one who taught jo- the original Jojo the art of the oh. Hammond so yeah. and and like apparently it gets even crazier from here because like the reddit for the Jojo series is called like Stardust Children and I'm sure I'm, I'm sure there's going to be some space shenanigans in there in in future seasons or oh, okay yep. yeah so I'm, I'm excited like my How wife how far are you through yeah, it? I, I'm like episode like 16 in like the oh, or seventeen okay. in um, like basically I've just met a lady named Lisa Lisa, oh, okay, who's yeah. based uh, and and it continues the trend of like music 
themes. Like Lisa Lisa is based on yeah. an artist called Lisa Lisa, and like her two sidekicks are um like Mixin uh, like Mixin and uh Logins like Logs, which are basically like Messina and Logins. Like that was a group back in the seventies, oh, and okay. like like the theme for like Hamon and like powering up is like. Owner of a Lonely Heart by I think a band I think it's by Yes I'm not sure it's oh, okay because <laughs> I like yeah there's yeah. a lot of music references but I actually haven't looked yeah. up a lot of them yeah so you know it's it's the song that goes did it did it did it it's like it's like iconic 80s riff and it just kind of like I know it's set in the 30s but it just works with the kind of the like JoJo basically looks like a uh, rock and roll like dude. Like he's just yeah. dressed up in like the weirdest, like weirder clothes that don't fit into the time period, and he's just like, ah, oh, he's yes, yeah. That's actually worth pointing out. Like as period pieces, <laughs> they they're don't... very bad at it. No, like, <laughs> like they're literally like he's wearing like, like you know bomber jackets and stuff like that wasn't popular until like after World War Two, and like he's pretty much got like what, maybe like through the like if you think about it through the lens of like. A Japanese creator in the seventies or eighties was like working on the man the manga, listening to a lot of rock and roll from America, th- imagining what America would have looked like through the movies they've watched or like the music videos they saw. So it's kind yeah. of like, it, it's yeah, it's definitely like, and like clearly there's like Nazis in here, but they're not Nazis; they're part of the Wehrmacht, but they've got the SS badge. Like it's just like yeah, that part's. That doesn't like, make sense. A problem. That's like <laughs> that little like I like because I still don't. I feel like it's a bigger problem than I'm usually willing to say it is. Is the idea that one Dude. of the like comrades is like actually a Nazi and they never really oh. interrogate it? And like they actually are valiant. Like here, yeah, exactly. like the guy Stromine or whatever his name was, Stromheim, mm-hmm. was like, oh, he's he's actually a Nazi. He's part of the SS. And then he's yeah, like, oh, he's really a valiant, the idea. Yeah. like valiant hero who sacrifices himself. And then, like, yeah. <laughs> w- you know, the motivation for like Zapelli and Joe start to fight is because they lost this Nazi who was going to get married. Like, it's just like skirting around the issue that it's kind of like painting Nazis as like, oh, they they were bad people, but they're still people. They still had families. You know, they still. They might have done wrong, but they they knew they did wrong, and they knew they had to keep things. You know, they had to protect the world. Like we should respect that. And I'm like, I'm not cool with that. <laughs> like, that is kind of fucked up. Yeah, it's like it feels like it really tries Dude. to. Because I I don't I have read the manga I think, but actually oh no I haven't. <laughs> no, I've read like later parts, but like um with the I don't know how the manga is, but the anime really dances around the idea mm-hmm. that he's a Nazi. Like he always calls him a German soldier. I think that's usually how he's described. Oh. Um, oh. And like, what he's it's like, so they, but they constantly elevate the idea that he's a warrior and they're always not trying as hard as they can not to really mention the idea that he's like mm. historically relevant to they're, Earth's history. They're, you know? they're doing it for the fatherland. They're not doing yeah, it for the Third the... Reich. <laughs> and yeah. like, they just skirt around the fact that, um, like, this very clearly takes place in the time when. Italy has been like basically taken over by Germany. 
<laughs> or like yeah. it's like very like um it was during the period of time when like Mussolini would have been like allied with Hitler and stuff. It's like it just kind of skirts around the fact that just kind of like the German presence in Italy is just oh yeah they they just run this place and I'm friends with them. That's how we can get access to these like ancient artifacts. Like mm. yeah, and him like him and the Germans being in it is like it's completely drawing from the idea that like you know the Third Reich was like you know trying to find all these like it's the Indiana Jones cult. thing, right? sort of items like the pillarman is like an example of that yeah and they're still not really addressing it yeah like it's it's a very old story technically like i yeah. think it's from the 80s like, oh yeah definitely it's a while now. yeah like but, um, um and i guess like maybe japan's view of germany is a little bit different to ours considering the fact that you know the alliances were very different i'll put yes. it i'll put it lightly um but yeah i guess um yeah Anyway, that's I'm enjoying my time with it so far. I'd love to talk about the Ms. Marvel trailer, but I think we're running pretty long already and not really much to know about it uh, besides the fact that uh, uh, a high school girl of East Asian descent finds magical bangles in the attic and is now a Bollywood dancer slash superhero, but is basically like Marvel's version of Green Lantern in that she can kind of like make things happen if she imagines it. Yeah, they changed their powers a lot. Yeah, because so like, that's of, not what I thought yeah. she was in the comics, but clearly this is a different depiction. Yeah, it's... I, I saw one thing saying that... Um, like, I'm, just... I saw a lot of people saying it's like, it would have to be because of like, you know, how stretchy limbs look, because that's what our original powers is like, you know, Luffy from One Piece or Fantastic Four. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's a fantastic, one of those. yeah. Because hers or is more, yeah, like it's like Mrs. Mr. Invincible. What was what was her name? Like the the lady, like the mom in uh, Miss Invisible. Mi- yeah, whatever she was in um in Invin- oh, in the Invincibles. Yeah. Oh, her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah so they kind of changed their powers. I saw. Sorry, I did say one theory though, like mm. beyond just like three G, uh, not three G, <laughs> like three D, three D CGI. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that it was to probably more to do with making her fit in better with Captain Marvel and um, the new one from One Division. Like, <laughs> I don't even know her name. Up. All I remember I is really like she's Mo- like she's Monica or Maria Rambo. Like she's Rambo. Yeah. She's the daughter. But she's got, she's got, she's like got a powers now. Name, but they yeah. never actually, I don't think they ever said it in the show. I, well, maybe they said it once. Yeah, and she's so got an just, outfit. I just know she has another name. I don't know. So yeah. that's always what I say. But like, um, yeah. Yeah, I, d- anyway, I don't get it. Like, I don't get it. And yeah. that, like the reason they gave her like sparkly green lantern powers is to kind of fit in, like have like a more cosmic feel, Entity, and also yeah. I guess stronger powers. I guess to yeah. kind of fit in with Captain Marvel and her, like when they do that movie. And it's just like appropriate. She's of in, like Indian or Pakistani descent. They find magical bangles. There's a scene of her like Bollywood dancing. <laughs> uh, well, I guess just apparently, just what if you have a character from that background, you have to show them doing those things, wearing some yeah. sort of Eastern jewelry and dancing to Bollywood music. Yeah. There's also a rumor that the villains are going to be like some like really kind of deep pull, like C list villain group. That's uh, they're like genies. So that's kind of interesting. <laughs> I'm just picturing her fighting the genie from the Disney Aladdin, like the Will Smith version. <laughs> yeah. But I did get like a Life is Strange vibe from like the comic, like kind of the 
you know the colors and like kind of the 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 outlines kind of floating around and kind of like also like kind of the comic book aesthetic at the beginning but that kind of like disappears throughout the second part of the trailer like kind of starts off really strongly with that vibe and then it kind of just disappears and becomes just like another marvel effects show i don't know like i'm not holding out hopes for this yeah it's not the most exciting trailer like it's just like oh sure it'll be okay maybe i don't Mm. know but But yeah um, anyway Yeah, well, that's going to do it for another episode of Double Jump Radio. Thank you to everyone for for joining us on such a long, long episode. But I think we had a lot to cover, so I'm not I'm not going to apologize because yeah, we had a lot to cover. But yeah, um, as always, if you'd love to support us, you can do so by uh, following us on Double Jump. Uh, all of our social media profiles are linked on our homepage. Um, Double Jump Radio is made possible thanks to the support of our wonderful members and patrons. You too can support Double Jump by becoming a member by going to doublejump.co slash memberships or a patron at patreon.com slash doublejump and signing up today. Uh, it's um, we, we, We're going to be updating the Patreon more regularly and it's, it's going to be, you know, we want to, We've got some plans for what we want to do for memberships going forward. I can't talk to them right now, but it's going to be some some exciting news there. But yeah, John, thank you so much. Oh, 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 my bad. I just realized that my uh, keyboard shortcut for the outro music is also the keyboard shortcut for (laughs) refresh. (laughs) Oh, God. But yes, uh, John, thank you so much again for joining me on this uh, very special live recording. Uh, yeah, thanks again, man. Always a pleasure. How are you? Long time. Well, until next time, everyone, look out for one another. Peace.